1: One
2: semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two Two
1: experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about a man who hated dominoes. And I'll be
2: talking about a family annihilator. (laughs) This is going to be a terrible episode.
1: My case is so bad. How much does he hate Domino's? <laughs> you are going to be blown away by how much this guy hates Domino's. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's because I'm nervous. Is that bad? Yeah, it's
2: really bad. Do, how do you do you seek out these Domino's cases? Okay.
1: Here's okay, the, I'm assuming we're talking about Domino's pizza and yeah, not the of game course. Domino's. Do you know me? Yes, of yeah. course. Here's the ultimate F you to me. I thought this was going to be like a you know relatively light case cuz it involved domino's pizza <laughs> no boy was i wrong boy were you wrong <laughs> great excellent i just want everyone to like strap in okay
2: yeah mm-hmm. mine's also not good cuz well, I, I mentioned it's a family, family annihilator, annihilator. Well, and
1: it's you i mean yeah. come on <laughs> do you want to talk about where we're sitting yes i do moment? yes i do it makes me okay oh. i'm a little nostalgic getting a little misty over here <laughs> So for a long time, we've been recording on two separate desks, but like the kitchen table that my family used all through my childhood that you have eaten many a meal at. Many a meal at. For the past, what, 25 years? Yeah. Maybe. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like 25 years. Um, It was in really bad shape. Norm did his woodworking skills on it. He fixed it up. And now this is where we record our podcast it's on amazing. the old kitchen table. It's so
2: cool. It's so cool. I love it so much.
1: How many quesadillas did we eat on oh this thing? Oh, my gosh. You know, my mom would She'd oh. just always throw together some quesadillas. And the other thing? What? Grilled cheeses. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom loved to
2: fix us up a grilled cheese. Which is really, I mean, quesadillas and grilled cheese. <laughs> They're just the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> Not to us. Not to us.
1: <laughs> they delighted us every time.
2: Oh, man. Your mom introduced me to... What? The two-craft single
1: oh. method
2: of grilled cheese.
1: Everybody listen up and listen good. <laughs> the ray method. Yeah. Before making a grilled cheese, you don't get shy with the butter. Nope. You don't go crazy with the bread that tastes like tree bark. No. You get two American <laughs> American, American, craft singles. Yep. Put them on there. You you got to get the heat just right. Yep. Yeah, because you can't have the bread crisping too fast because mm-hmm. your cheese doesn't get melty enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to be a little patient. Mm-hmm. Wait for those craft singles to do their thing. All right, this is the end of our cooking show. (laughs) You're welcome, everyone. You really excited to talk about Domino's? God, I'm just <laughs> You know how I am when I accidentally stumble into a case that's just too much for me. Yeah. Been hating it. Um, I dragged out our conversation over lunch. Norm had to be like, Are you guys gonna record ever?" I know. We were having a good conversation. We were and that little man. Mm. Mm, i call calling mm. that little man. He's a normal sized man. I almost called him a little bitch and I thought, <laughs> no, no, too much, too much. You know why I'm in an extra bad mood? Why? <laughs> so I was working on this this morning because I like,
3: put you're it like, up, I can't do it I anymore. Put I put it off yes. yesterday
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to. Yep. Yep.
2: And By we've all, I mean you and me.
1: <laughs> yep. While I was working on this case, I was like, you know what? I also have been putting off waxing my lady moustache. <laughs> so literally, as I worked on this horrible case, I had sugar wax on my. <laughs> upper you can't. You cannot double those up. Kristen. I did though, but it's one of those things. I mean, you got to plan that stuff. You got to wait for the wax to heat up. You got to make sure you don't already have lotion on your face, because then that stuff's just going to slide yeah, right off. it just off. slides right off. Also, you have to wait for it to get nice and bushy up there. <laughs> you do. You have to grow it out. hmm hmm And boy, did I got just... A full stash, huh? Not anymore, That's as you great. can it, see. You look amazing. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Oh, my. Your highlighter also looks amazing. My highlighter? Yeah. Don't you have, like, a little... I don't... What? That's just your natural glow? Well, I wear a lot of sunscreen, so it I just kind of reflecting. You look great. Your cheekbones? Mm-hmm. Popping. Yes. My upper lip? Hairless. Mm-hmm. Mm. As of three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> Should I not have told the people about... I mean, you listen. Know, we all you have know, our things. For the longest time, I thought no one could see the hair because it was light hair.
2: You can still say Ever looked in a rearview mirror while <laughs> you're in a car, just in that natural sunlight.
1: Yeah, I see. I've seen some things. <laughs> I've seen some things as well.
2: <laughs> what do you see? Yeah, I got this. Like I got like three hairs right here. On <gasps> I my chin. D- oh my
1: god! I know. Ever since, yeah. Oh, it's just it's three hairs. Okay. It's. Pluck those puppies. It's a sad day for a lady Mm -hmm. when she realizes she's got to be on neck watch. (laughs) (laughs) Till the end of time. Neck watch. (laughs) Okay, I'm stalling. Mm, Tell us about your terrible case, and then you know
2: what? I'll follow up with my terrible case. Oh, good. (laughs) Yay! You got two great cases coming your way.
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) Let's start off with some shout outs. I found this on an episode of Vengeance Killer Coworkers. Oh. And the your title show you don't of, like for from HLN, right? Mm hmm. Okay. And the title of the episode Killing Spree. No. Oh. So Hmm. I blame myself. Yeah, you just zoomed right past that
2: title and was like, oh, I bet this is a really great lighthearted case about a killing spree at a domino's. I didn't think it was going to be (laughs) lighthearted. I bet the pizza just evens out that
1: mass murder. That's what I was kind of hoping. Um, It's just, it's so much darker. Mass murder with a side of pizza. You know my, okay, it's arrogance. It's (laughs) arrogance. You know why? Because I was like, if it were really bad, I would have heard about it. (laughs) Apparently not. Apparently not. Okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. also a website called courtlistener.com. Have you ever been there? Yeah, that sounds familiar. All right. Well, they had a great, you know, court documents yeah. on this. Murderpedia, newspapers dot com, kisses, yeah. hugs. Yeah. Anything else they want. I don't think you're supposed to do kisses and hugs that are in COVID times, Kristen. Anything they want, Randy. <laughs> you know, at some point I will get vaccinated. <laughs> Because the rest mm, of the people in Missouri are not I know. interested.
2: Exactly. It's like, look, I will take it. Please, I'll bring my arm right to you. <laughs> let me have it. <laughs> I'll even wear like an easy access piece of clothing.
1: You know, that's my plan for tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, so Norman. Norman was on one list. I can't believe that I wasn't on. I. I Grounds for divorce, Kristen. I'm about, I'm, it's going to happen. <laughs> he, he, he put himself on the list and didn't... Yeah! Hmm, hmm, hmm. Should <laughs> I call him a little bitch now? <laughs> what you, what you <laughs> no, so he's going, and I'm going to go and wait in the car, mm-hmm. and he's going to be like, hey, I've got a wife, and she's... Oh, she's got short... She's sleeveless right she now. Got sleeveless. R- arm Sh- right there for the taking. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it probably won't work. But anyway, we're going to try. Brandy, today I'm about to tell you about a really bad man. His friends called him the human ashtray. Why? (laughs) Because he did this super fun, very cool thing where he put out cigarettes onto his own body. (sighs) The dude was so awful that these days when people refer to him, they give him the... Middle name treatment. Hmm. Trademark LGTC. Mm -hmm. You know what? See, this is how I know you're a freak. You know exactly what that means when someone has the middle name treatment. I do know exactly what that means. What's it mean, Brandy? Well, see, that's
2: what happens when someone's real bad. Mm -hmm. You have to call them by all three of their names so that a poor other guy who has that same name doesn't
1: doesn't get mixed up in there. Yeah. (laughs) So this man was Michael Carlton Sims. Mm. I'm sorry, I called him Michael. What's his name? Mitchell. <laughs> sorry. Off to a rocky start. I
2: don't think that has a great flow to it. Just, you know, I know his parents aren't asking me. <laughs> Mitchell Carlton. You think you think that's where yeah, the story I think goes that's wrong? Exactly. I think that's okay. the, the whole problem here. That's, his
1: name had no flow to it. And there we go. Yeah. The end. The end. Mitch was raised in Columbia, South Carolina. You know, we grew up with a Mitch. Yeah. He was a douchebag, too. He sure was. I'm stalling again, but I could not stop thinking about him. Yeah. Looked him up on Facebook. He appears to still be douchey.
2: (laughs) He's. You know, I haven't thought about him in years. I
1: hadn't either. One of the few people I have at Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Mitch was raised in Columbia, South Carolina, and he had a terrible childhood, like the worst childhood. Um, We'll get into it more later, but his stepfather sexually, physically, and verbally abused him. It it is terrible. It was an awful existence. Could we not get into it later? (laughs) We're going to, and this is your warning, ma'am. So when Mitch was 18, he was like... Goodbye, I'm getting the fuck out of here, and I'm joining the army. Human ashtray, out. (coughs) But here's a fun story. Brandy, I can tell you'd like to hear a love story right now. I see it in your beautiful blue peepers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fine, here's a fairy tale for you, straight from a Hallmark movie. While Mitch was in the army, he started hooking up with a lady. And he fell in love. But oopsies, that lady was married to a military officer.. What was young Mitch to do? They had to be together forever. But this husband was standing in the way. a cockblock, if you will. <laughs> Bridge, do you disapprove of my use of the word cockblock? I do. Is it two words? Phrase, it's. I think it's two words,
2: yeah. Is it
1: hyphenated? No, that's only if it's an adjective to something. (laughs) Is that for real? Usually, you hyphenate when um, something's acting as the adjective. (laughs) (laughs) This got nerdy fast, didn't you? You didn't think it would get kind of nerdy, did you? So, Brandy, the nerdiest conversation about (laughs) cock blocking that's ever taken place. Brandy, what do you do? You're in love with a lady. She's married. You probably kill her husband. <laughs> Interesting choice. uh uh-huh. You don't do that. Oh, okay. Mitch came up with an ingenious plan to make his fairy tale come true. He asked his buddy to shoot him in the leg. What? And like any good friend would, the guy shot Mitch in the leg. How was that helping him get the girl? Hold on, hold on, we're getting there. Then Mitch blamed the shooting on his girlfriend's husband. OMG! That dude shot me! Lock him up and throw away the key! It was attempted murder, I tell you! Oh, what's this? Now I can be with my dream woman forever? worth it. That was a terrible
2: plan. Ouch. That was a terrible plan.
1: Yeah it was kind of the Lucy and Ethel plan for getting rid of your girlfriend's <laughs> husband and it just didn't work. Yeah. Somehow investigators saw through this scheme. I wish I knew more about it because I'm sure he didn't even like check to see if the husband was like at home oh, wouldn't have an yeah. alibi. So not only did Mitch get shot in the leg, but he also got in huge trouble with the military. The military gave him a dishonorable discharge and they sent him to prison for like five seconds. And when he got out of prison in 1980, he was 20 years old. Now, Brandy, I know you hate it when a love story turns sour. Yeah. (laughs) Well, don't worry. Because when 20-year-old Mitch got out of prison, he went back to Columbia, South Carolina, and he found love again with a 16-year-old. Oh, no. Don't worry. They'd been friends for a long time. (laughs) That's somehow worse. I agree. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) None of these stories. Like, no one else seems to care about the age gap, which I just have to accept. I'm the only one who cares. Uh But all these places are like, they were childhood friends. That's weirder. that's weirder yes anyway mitch and Teresa got married and they had three sons together things were really looking up for mitch and his child bride mitch had never really been one for stable employment or stable anything but by march of 1984 he hit it big He got a job at Domino's. So suck on that, haters. (laughs) Suck
3: on that.
1: Just a few months later, Mitch enrolled in Domino's management training program. Oh, that's right. That's right. He was management material. Hmm. Mm. You were also management material. So you and Mitch have that in common. Thank you. (laughs) Did you go into a management training program? Uh, or were you just thrown into the job? Mm. So when I
2: I went through management training after I was promoted mm. to manager.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right.
2: Mm-hmm. And really it was more training about like, it wasn't training about like, you know, how to manage people. Yeah. It was training about how to train people. Hmm. Because we had, this really boring and nobody gives a shit.
1: So let's <laughs> just continue. <Okay. laughs> You've been cut off. I was born by my own story. <laughs>
3: That's really sad
1: when we are
2: born by our own <laughs> stories.
1: You know it's bad when we're yeah. like, no, no, this must stop. <laughs> I have
3: to save the listeners. <laughs> so in January of
1: 1985, Mitch became the manager of a Domino's in West Columbia, South Carolina.
3: In West Columbia, born and (laughs) raised.
1: Things were great. Just great. For 12 seconds. (laughs) Then he started cheating on his wife with a woman he hired to work at the Domino's, which I feel like the management training program should have told him not to do that. But anyway. Then Mitch got into a little fight with his boss. Ooh. The exact disagreement is a little unclear to me, but it seems that Mitch thought he was entitled to a certain bonus, and his boss said that he wasn't, and don't worry, the human ashtray handled this just fine. I bet he did. By that, I mean he flipped the fuck out. Mitch, who didn't exactly have the best people skills, got together with all the other employees and he was like, let's stage a coup! Let's all resign together in protest! Ready, break! and everyone else was like mm, no nah. thanks
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> everyone except for like the girlfriend Deborah. yeah she did protest with him in solidarity and it'll shock you to learn that their protest of two did not work mm. so mitch had to step it up a notch like emerald bam <laughs> you kind of stumbled over that <laughs> yeah it was just like emerald yeah uh-huh. mitch is just like emerald <laughs> Poor Emerald. In May, he sent a formal letter to Domino's Corporate. In that letter, he explained how his boss was a bag of dicks. And, you know, he really thought that they'd see this letter and decide to fire his boss.
2: No, instead they're like, well, this employee's like a loony tune. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We
3: thought he was management material.
1: Domino's Corporate it'll dismay you to hear, did not even reply to Mitch's letter. (laughs) It was almost as if they had bigger fish to fry or bigger pizzas to bake. No. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No. (laughs) You're going to have to take the jokes where they fucking come, okay? (laughs) There are no jokes in this. That was one. Mitch was very pissed off. So finally, on May 12th, 1985, he decided that he'd had enough of the disrespect, so he quit. He told Deborah, the girlfriend, that if he was still in the Army, he'd rig the front door of the dominoes with a bunch of explosives and just hope that his boss was the one who opened that door and got blown to pieces. Right. Right. (laughs) what's wrong brandy being in the army would have helped him with that i guess he would have had access to the explosives oh right 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 yeah okay but unfortunately Mm -hmm. because he was dishonorably discharged from the army this great man was no longer able to just get explosives it's a shame any (laughs) any old time i guess (laughs) Okay. I say that as if the army has like ye old explosives <laughs> shop and everyone's just welcome to get whatever they need. But don't worry. Mitch didn't do that. It might be like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry. I have an accidental, hilarious typo in here.
3: What?
1: I was supposed to say he was far too level headed. Guess did, what I did said? Did you say he was fart? <laughs> he was fart too level headed. Hilarious, bazing! People think the humor on this podcast is too sophisticated. <laughs> that's the review we that's get most that's what we get the most. Is it's too white collar, too fancy? <laughs> this is me trying to work blue, as they say in the biz. <laughs> I myself am I above the fart were jokes. King blue, but you told dirty jokes. I did fart. <laughs> <two> level headed. <laughs> That's dirty. I also mentioned cock blocks earlier, so <laughs> this is true. yeah, I'm delivering on the promise. Do you have any fart jokes in your case? No, no didn't think so. Didn't. Okay. Wow, you didn't even give me time to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard your scripts before. Not once have you mentioned farts. <laughs> So Mitch ended up working just a bunch of odd jobs, but the thing is, nothing paid quite like Domino's—the <laughs> one that got away. <laughs> Mitch's life officially sucked, and it was all Domino's fault. Mm. Mitch, none had- of
2: that, none of that was on him. No, huh?
1: no, it was all Domino's fault. You heard, you heard the story. Right, I did. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> Mitch had three kids and a wife and no money. And his girlfriend had dumped him because she thought he was being a real weirdo and he, she was kind of freaked out by all the violent talk about dominoes. Yeah. Naturally, under all that pressure and stress, he had no choice but to have another affair. He had an affair with Ruby Paget, who was like 18 or 19. And Ruby, of course, had a really rough background, too. Um, one story I read said that she had witnessed her dad shoot her mom. Ooh. Yeah. She'd run away from home. She had problems with substance abuse. But her troubles were behind her because she'd found love with Mitch Carlton Sims.
3: Yay!
1: So... As is page one of every love story ever, the hero ditched his wife and kids and moved into a trailer in North Charleston with his new girlfriend. And man, once it was just Mitch and Ruby, it was shots, 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 (laughs) shots, everybody! They were drinking and drinking and drinking, and oh my God, I've told you how... The show Vengeance Killer Coworkers. It's a bit much sometimes. Reenactments. The reenactment. Okay. When you think of someone drinking heavily, mm-hmm. what what do you picture? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Just like enough. bottles? Sure. Yeah. Um, in this reenactment of a woman this, this actress was drinking directly. From a bottle of Bombay sapphire. I don't think that no, people are doing. <laughs> no, no one's doing that. So she's got the Bombay sapphire, which, okay. And then we cut from that to a talking head explaining that Ruby liked to drink and she also liked to do marijuana. You don't. She did it.
3: She
2: do the I marijuana. Do the marijuana, which is a dance. <laughs> 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 Obviously, to the tune of the Macarena. <laughs> hey marijuana.
1: So that's the kind of hard, short, hardcore <laughs> shit we were dealing with. But as great as that sounds with all the gin and all the doing of the marijuana, there was trouble in paradise. No
2: one is drinking gin straight from the bottle,
1: and if they are, it's not Bombay Sapphire. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's that's the good shit, right? Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to Costco. Don't you have like b- the McCormick's like jug of vodka, isn't that? Even what? then, you've you've got a seltzer. You've got something to cut that with. <sighs> I mean, if you're gonna drink anything straight, I I don't know that gin would be it. Yeah. I, you like gin, I do like gin. I have never once been like you know what <laughs> what this <laughs> needs to get rid of any kind of mixer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then again, I have never done marijuana <laughs> and then drank the gin. Maybe that's that's the, yeah the magical uh-huh. combination. Yep. So there was trouble in paradise. See, Ruby didn't have a job, and Bombay Sapphire by the jug costs money. <laughs> Oh, it was a lot of pressure on Mitch to provide for his teenage lover. So, in November of 1985, Mitch swallowed his pride and he begrudgingly applied for a new job at Domino's. Right when you were born. Oh yeah. Oh,
3: Mitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he celebrated your birth
2: Aww. by applying for a job at Domino's. Thanks,
1: Mitch. <laughs> Not the same Domino's he'd quit from, mind you, because he did have some respect for himself. Mm. Fart too much (laughs) respect for himself. He applied to a Domino's in Hanahan, South Carolina, which was like right by where they lived. And I guess Domino's didn't check references or have any kind of douchebag database because they hired him right away and he got to work delivering pizzas. I have a theory. What's that? Could have been a different franchisee. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots
2: of Domino's are franchised, so different owner. They wouldn't have even...
1: Have you been planted by Domino's corporate to fact check this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, gotta, Domino's does I check a, references. I have a Domino's uniform on under my shirt here, Kristen. <laughs> you don't know how scary that is, but you will in about 45 minutes. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a little foreshadowing. You seriously don't know how scary was oh well i'll be in on the joke in a minute Mm -hmm. not really a joke okay sorry anyway i should never do cases like this i can't handle it i don't have the nuts no nuts no nuts after just a few weeks on the job mitch's truck broke down he was screwed he couldn't afford to fix his truck which meant he couldn't deliver pizzas He'd had it. He had no food. He had no job. His pet's heads were falling off. (laughs) (laughs) What was Mitch to do? Our pet's heads
3: are falling
1: off. (laughs) Everyone, that was a hilarious movie reference. No pets. Well, Mm, I bet you Mitch took the head off a pet at some point in his life. But that's not something I've found in the research. Anyway. Just an <laughs> assumption. Just, just an assumption. Just a feeling. Just a feeling. So what was Mitch to do, Brandy? Keeping in mind, of course, that this was all Domino's fault somehow. Yeah, it's still Domino's fault. Huh? Yes, still. Yeah. Well, you've told us that this is
2: a real bad,
1: so I guess he's going to just go like on a killing spree at a Domino's. That would certainly solve the problem. Yes, wouldn't it? it sure would. Uh-huh. No, I'll tell you what he did. But we're going to fast forward a bit to December fourth, nineteen eighty-five.
2: It was a little after. Kristen t- was one month and two days old. Oh my God! No one cares. <laughs>
1: you care. guys do care, don't I you? I
2: care so much. <laughs> I
1: thought you were so cute. I have the had the cheeks. cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest cheeks in all the land. But not big ass cheeks. <laughs> hmm. Think on that for a while, why don't you? Mm-hmm. See, London,
3: mm-hmm. got it
1: both covered. See? London's got big
2: old cheeks on her face and she got the cutest little plump baby butt.
1: <laughs> now... I am jealous of a baby. Both because <laughs> of the attention she gets and because she has the plump baby butt. I mean, look at her fucking parents, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> she had no choice but to be
3: gorgeous. I meant that
1: we both have big butt. Oh I'm sorry, I thought she you... you two do have big butts. We and do. that just pisses me off too. <laughs> You know, I realized you had to live through the '90s <laughs> and the early 2000s, where big butts were not okay. They were not okay, and they didn't fit in any jeans, <laughs> low-rise jeans. But now you're really living the life, aren't right. you? Hmm. Meanwhile, I have to stuff Kleenex down the back of my pants. Why? Do you think they make like? Yeah, they make butt pads. Oh God, I'd be too humiliated. You wear? No, it's like a. A picture a Spanx mm-hmm, situation. Picturing it. With butt. <laughs> yeah, I would be humiliated. Remember the time when we were out and we saw a woman who clearly had something fake in the Norm back? Norm to this day does not believe us. Well, that's because he's a man and he's like, I don't want to believe that that's fake. I want to believe <laughs> that that woman is 100% real. <laughs> okay, so anyway, let's get back to the terrible story. Yeah, okay. Okay. I don't know why I was posing. December fourth, nineteen eighty-five. Wow, I
2: do love your hair
1: today. Do you really?
2: I do. (gasps) You know who you look like? Who?
1: (laughs) It'd be really funny if you said like David Duchovny or something.
2: (laughs) No, you look like Julia (laughs) Stiles specifically. (gasps) Ten things I hate about you. Ten things about you. Hey, ten things I hate about you when she goes to prom. With Heath
1: Ledger? Yes. The most beautiful man in all the world. If you had a land. rose stuck right up there in your little updo today. And you know, I had one until, <laughs> until you showed up. I had to use it to rip that wax off my lip. <laughs> I did wax my stash like I was headed to prom. People are really going to hate these things. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they're really going to. I listen for the stories. Don't worry, darling. There's other true crime podcasts. Out there. I sh- oh, they're going to hate that, too. They're, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Will they love that I don't have a hairy mustache anymore? <laughs> I
2: do think they'll like that. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think everyone will. Okay. <laughs> and it's also today's
2: the, the anniversary of when 10 Things I Hate About You was released. Are you? In how 1999. Do you, how do you know these? I just t- saw it on fa- Facebook today. Okay. So you had 10 Things I Hate About You on the brain. Yeah, but that's legit what you look like. Thank you. You guys, so just so you guys can picture it with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kristen obviously wore her hair down yesterday. Yes, it's true. In a a curl, Mm -hmm. it looks. And then today, she's taken those curls and she has piled them atop her head. Mm -hmm. And they're just kind of falling in tendrils.
1: Angelically. It is beautiful. You would think that angel has fallen from (laughs) heaven.
2: Exactly, and she's
1: put on a vest from Costco
3: (laughs) (laughs) as angels often do to
1: cover up the glow. If
2: you took that vest off right Mm -hmm. now, just
3: (laughs)
1: that's what would happen. All right, enough. Okay, it's December 4th, 1985. Yeah, it's like you just knew this was the calm before the storm, it's about to get terrible, and now there are no fun. There are no fun. There is no fun, laughs, Laughs or good times. Okay. Anyway. Okay. It was a little after 2 a.m. when a man stumbled into the Hanahan, South Carolina police station. He was covered in blood. He'd been shot four times in the head. Oh, my gosh. Yes. He's walking into the police station? Walking might be a strong word. Okay. Um... He could barely speak because blood had pooled in his mouth. A phone cord hung from his wrists. He was wearing a Domino's pizza uniform, and he cried out for help. And I believe he collapsed onto the floor. This, I mean, I don't know if I already said this, but the Domino's was not far away from the police station okay. at all. So this guy got himself there and just collapsed. Collapsed. This man, Gary Melky, was an assistant manager at the local Domino's. He'd somehow gotten himself to the station, and police called an ambulance and they got Gary to the hospital, and hospital staff immediately did what they could do to save him. In the meantime, officers went to the Domino's because clearly something had happened there. And holy shit, when they arrived, it was pandemonium. There was blood everywhere. The cords had been ripped out of the phones, the cash register was wide open, the safe was open, there was no money to be found. And when officers got to the back of the store, they found a man in a Domino's uniform dead on the floor.
3: Mm.
1: He'd been shot in the head. His hands were tied behind his back with phone cord. That man was 24-year-old Chris Zare. He'd been a delivery driver for Domino's. Okay, so this this scene was so disturbing and so strange. Who could have done this and why? Yeah. Well, it didn't take long to figure out the answer. Because back at the hospital, staff were working on Gary. He'd been shot in the temple, in the jaw, at the base of his skull, and in his neck. Oh, my gosh. I didn't write this part down, but... As the ambulance was heading to the hospital, one of the paramedics said, You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. And he said, I don't believe you. Oh, my gosh. He was in terrible shape, but he could speak a little bit. They cleared the blood from his mouth, and a paramedic asked Gary if he knew who'd shot him. And Gary said, Sims, Mitch Sims. Oh, my gosh. Gary told the paramedic that Mitch had tied him up and murdered Chris Sayre. Then an officer walked in and he was like, hey, do you know who shot you? And poor Gary was like, I'm in pain. Like he starts just screaming in pain. And the officer was like, come on, man. And finally Gary was like, Mitch Sims. And he described Mitch to the officer. Mitch wasn't a friend. He was just some weird new guy at work. Mm -hmm. But that was all investigators needed. Gary had given them the shooter's full name plus a description and police were able to get the manager of Domino's on the phone, and the manager pulled Mitch's application and gave them Mitch's address. Great. A horrible crime had occurred. One man was dead, but Gary had survived, and now police had all they needed to go make an arrest. Am I right? I don't think it's going to go that well. Is the tone of my voice giving it all away? (laughs) So they took off for the trailer park where Mitch lived with his girlfriend, Ruby. But, well it was dark out it was pretty late and uh, you know it was just kind of hard to figure out which trailer Mitch lived in so they all went home and the next morning they got a search warrant and some daylight and they went to Mitch and Ruby's trailer and boom busted in and wouldn't you know it they were too late what does that mean Mitch and Ruby were gone Where'd they go? <laughs> Far away. Which, I the thing I, I don't understand is like, they dropped that fact, and I'm like, am I missing something?
3: Yeah.
1: I would really like to know more because it just sounds like you just gave up. When you, I mean, how many times does someone murder someone Another person survives. Yeah. You get the person's name. You get their address. You get a description of them. Yeah, like right off the bat. Uh, Yeah. And like you couldn't find his address, but you knew the trailer park he lived in and you just left. I I really hope I'm missing something. Yeah. But I never am (laughs) is the thing. So Mitch and Ruby were gone. You know, it was almost as if police shouldn't have gone home and started again in the morning. Uh, So police were like, yikes, we really screwed the pooch on this one, boys. And they sent pictures of Mitch to every media outlet under the sun. And they were like, hey, everyone, be on the lookout for this guy. And if you somehow get his address, don't wake us up. We need our beauty rest. We keep bankers hours. (laughs) They didn't really say that. I'm saying that because I'm very sassy. (laughs) Julia Stiles was very sassy in that movie. She She, was. So really, I'm just channeling her. Yeah. And if you don't like the sass, talk to Julia Stiles about it. (laughs) So, you know, everyone's looking for Mitch and Ruby, but no one could spot them anywhere. At some point, they got word that Mitch might have left Charleston on a bus. So the police reached out to their mayor, and they were like, Mayor, could you please call the FBI? We would do this (laughs) ourselves. But it's required to come from the mayor. Yeah, everyone knows it's not allowed. Only the mayor can call the FBI. And so the mayor called the FBI. <laughs> I was legitimately like, what the fuck are they calling the mayor for? Yeah, yeah it's weird, isn't it, Brandy? Because you know, deep down, there is no protocol. So the FBI gets the call from the mayor and they're like, thank you for following protocol. And then they agreed yeah. to get involved in the case. Excellent. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Very good. In the meantime, Gary got out of surgery, but... He'd been through too much, and he didn't make it. This was a horrible tragedy. Two men had been murdered. One of them had survived long enough to tell the police who'd carried out this horrible crime, and now the murderer was on the run. What made it even more sad was that Chris and Gary were just two 24-year-old guys who'd gotten jobs at Domino's to make ends meet. Chris was from Oakley, Kansas, and Gary was from Moorhead City, North Carolina— And they were really good friends. They'd met in the Navy and they'd worked together in the Naval Hospital. But evidently those jobs didn't pay a lot. So they just got these part time jobs at Domino's to kind of, you know, make life a little easier. They were just two young guys trying to live their lives. And then this new employee had come into the store one night, stolen eleven hundred bucks, wiped the place down for prints and shot them. The only good news was that Mitch Sims' picture was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Surely he'd get caught soon. Okay, the only complicated thing, and this is just my personal opinion, Mitch to me is one of these people who looks wildly different from photo to photo. Oh, mm-hmm. real chameleon! That's right, as they say, come a come a come a, come a, come a chameleon. Do you know that that's not the word? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not. <laughs> what is? What is? What is the word? It's karma, chameleon. Really? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> karma, 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 chameleon.
1: Really? Because they want the chameleon to catch some karma? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I do this all the time with song lyrics. <laughs> what was that? There was a share song that was like, I don't need your sympathy. I thought it was, I don't need your silver things. I thought it was, like, (laughs) (laughs) anti-capitalism. And I was singing along to it one day, and Kyla made fun of me. (laughs) Anyhow, this is bringing back some childhood trauma. (laughs) So, in some pictures, Mitch had, like, dark, floppy hair. And in others, he had, like... Ronald McDonald hair, if Ronald McDonald's hair was the color of chestnuts and not flaming Hot Cheetos. You know, just <laughs> I picture, can it. picture it. Mm-hmm. I can picture it. Mitch also had big, sad Eeyore eyes. And one of those little mustaches that had like a little bald line down the Cupid's bow. Yeah, I don't understand those mustaches. Did he just not grow hair there, maybe? Okay. Okay. Here's why he's a karma, 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 chameleon. <laughs> In one picture... I just I I saw the little patch there and uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, well, he just can't grow hair there because yeah. why would you do that intentionally?" Yeah. But then in another picture, I saw he had the hair there. So maybe we- he filled it in with an eyebrow pencil. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Do Okay, here's a question. Do many men fill in with pencil, no, you think? I don't think so. I mean, you're you're saying no, but maybe maybe they do. I don't know. I mean, it could be like one of those things where men don't know how much we bleed That's every true. month. Like if you if you had to ask the a, the average man how much, yeah, he'd be like, I don't know, a gallon jug, a, a bottle of Bombay Sapphire, who knows? So I'm I'm wondering if these are just things we maybe we don't.
2: I don't. Maybe we don't know. I doubt it, though.
1: Seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, If I were a dude, I'd be real low maintenance. Yeah. I wouldn't be waxing my mustache. If I were a boy. (laughs) Well, what is it, Beyonce? (laughs) What would you do? (laughs) So people were looking for Mitch, but they were most likely looking in the wrong place. Because on December 8th, 1985, just four days after the shooting at the South Carolina Dominoes, Mitch and Ruby walked into a Domino's in Glendale, California. They hadn't had enough at the previous Domino's? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. They approached Corey Spiroff, the assistant manager, and asked him for directions to a drugstore. Corey gave them directions, and Mitch and Ruby left. It was all pretty uneventful. The next day, Mitch and Ruby entered a Sears in Glendale, They bought underwear, socks, a clothesline, and a knife. Mitch was agitated as they shopped. He was visibly nervous. The salesperson overheard Ruby tell Mitch to relax. She was like, we'll leave the store soon. And soon enough, they did. Then came that evening. That night started off like any other for the Dominoes in Glendale. 19-year-old assistant manager Corey Spiroff was working that night, plus two delivery drivers, 41-year-old Ed Siam and 21-year-old John Harrigan. So you know they're just kinda doing their thing, whatever, it's a normal night. And at around 11.30, John left the store to make a delivery, and Corey and Ed stayed behind. Things were winding down and by like 11.45, Corey and Ed were preparing to close. Corey was in the back of the store when he heard someone come through the front. He figured it was John coming back from the last delivery. But it wasn't John. It was a couple. It was the same couple who'd asked for directions to the drugstore the day before. Corey started to tell the couple that the store was closed, but before he could even get the words out, the man pulled a gun and calmly said, go back in the office. Mm. At that point the man spotted Ed and told Ed to go back too. The woman pulled out a large butcher knife and started collecting all the money. Corey was freaked out and he warned them, "Hey, if you hear someone come in the store, don't panic. It's just our delivery driver John. He's due back any minute now." And the man laughed. He took off his sweater and revealed that he was wearing a Domino's delivery uniform with John's name tag on it. And the man said, No, I don't think so. Okay, this is why I freaked out when you said you were going to take off your sweatshirt. He ordered Corey and Ed to kneel down and face the wall, and he held his gun on them. Corey and Ed thought they were going to die. But at that exact moment, they heard someone walk into the store. A voice said, Is anybody here? And Corey turned to the gunman and said, What do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And the gunman said, Don't do anything stupid, or I'm going to blow this guy away. And he pointed the gun at Ed. And so Corey went out there and saw his friend, Richard Wagner okay so some sources say just Richard was there other sources say Richard was there with his wife but anyway Richard actually worked at Domino's but it was his night off and he'd come in at clothes because I assume they were all going to hang out after work right and because he worked there Richard had actually come back behind the counter mm-hmm. so Corey approached Richard and instead of being like, oh, hey, buddy, how are you? He was like, sir, please step back behind the counter. Welcome to Domino's. May I take your order? And Richard looked at Corey like. What the fuck? Yes. yeah, Yes. And Corey just gave him this hardcore look and said, what would you like to order? I've got goosebumps. Yeah. As this was happening, Mitch walked out, of the, out to the front wearing the Domino's uniform. Mm-hmm. He didn't appear to have his gun on him. He was smoking a cigarette. So Richard wasn't sure what the hell was going on, but he knew something was wrong. He looked at that weird guy smoking the cigarette and he thought to himself, okay, that guy does not work here. Yeah. But he turned to his friend, Corey, and he played along. He's like, yeah, I'd like to order a pizza. And he put in his pizza order. So Corey took the order and was like, all right, sir, just wait outside and I'll bring you your pizza when it's done. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the phone rang and Mitch answered it. Wearing his name tag that said John, he said, thank you for calling Domino's. This is Mitch. How may I help you? Mm, Fucking idiot. So Richard skedaddled out of there and went to his car and sat there and pretty soon, Mitch came out and handed him his pizza, it was all super weird, weird enough that Richard got to a payphone and he called his manager and he was like, hey, who's working tonight? Did you hire somebody new? And the manager said no. And Richard was like, okay, I gotta go. And he hung up and called 911. He told the dispatcher, look, you know, something weird is happening at Domino's. And he told the dispatcher what he'd seen. By this point, the store appeared to be vacant, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't. Because as soon as Richard had left the store, Mitch and Ruby continued with their plan. Ruby got all the money and wiped the place for prints. And Mitch escorted Corey and Ed to the walk-in cooler. In the cooler, there was a three-tiered rack. Mitch tied Corey's hands behind his back, then looped the rope over the rack and pulled it down so that his hands were up, like, uncomfortably high behind Mm -hmm. his back. Then Mitch looped the rope around Corey's neck. Corey had to stand on the tips of his toes just to keep breathing. Oh, my gosh. Mitch then did the same thing to Ed. At one point, Ed complained that he could barely breathe, and Mitch said, At least you're alive. Corey and Ed were terrified, and they wanted to know what had happened to John. What had this man done to John? So Corey said, where's John? And Mitch said, they'll find him after they find you. Mm. And with that, Mitch and Ruby left Corey and Ed tied up in the walk-in cooler. Both men were in tremendous pain. They began to go numb from the cold. Their calves began to tighten. Corey tried to knock over some boxes so that they could stand on them, but every time he tried, the rope got tighter around his neck. Finally, he knocked one over, and he and Ed were able to stand on it, and it alleviated some of the tension in the rope. But they were still in so much pain, and they were so fucking cold. Yeah. They weren't sure they'd be able to make it until the restaurant opened the next day. But thank God they didn't have to find out. Thanks to Richard's phone call, pretty soon the police busted in there, found the two men hanging, and cut them down. Can you imagine? No. Once they got Corey and Ed down and warmed up, Corey gave them the address of John's last delivery. John's last delivery had been to room 205 of the Regalodge Motel. I tried Googling...
2: Didn't find anything?
1: Well, no, I did find some, but I couldn't be sure that it was... Yeah. Anyway. The motel was a three-minute drive from Domino's. So police arrived at the motel room, and no one answered the door. So they got the manager to open the room for them, and once they were in there, they heard water running in the bathroom. (gasps) They rushed back to the bathroom and discovered John Harrigan. Mm laying in the bathtub, fully submerged. He'd been hogtied and gagged, and a pillowcase covered his head. Oh my gosh. There would later be some debate over whether it was strangulation or drowning that killed him. Does it
2: matter? I.
1: That's how I feel. Either way, he was dead. At some point in the investigation, police in Glendale called Domino's corporate and told them what had happened. And Domino's was like, Whoa, this sounds very similar to an incident at one of our stores in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And they told police about Mitch Sims and Ruby Paget. So they knew who'd done this. But when investigators searched the motel room, they didn't get much. The place had been scrubbed clean. Finally, they found two fingerprints. They found Mitch's thumbprint on the inside of the toilet paper roll. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And they found his print on a page in the phone book. You want to guess which page? Domino's? Yep. At some point, they showed Corey and Ed pictures of possible suspects, and they both ID'd Mitch Sims. So, I mean, this was game on. This story got huge national media coverage, and Mitch and Ruby were dubbed the dollar store Bonnie and Clyde. Not really. That's just what I'm calling them, because I think they're stupid. <laughs> Okay. What? Are you serious? Yeah. No one called them the dollar store Bonnie and class. I was like, that name doesn't make fucking sense. <laughs> they were,
3: didn't do anything at the dollar
1: store. You know, you know what I mean by dollar? Yeah, like yeah. yeah, like wishes, like Bonnie brief. and Clyde
2: that came from Wish. Yeah, because Like somebody, yeah, that would have been better. They were called, dubbed the Wish.
1: dot com Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> you wouldn't say that doesn't make sense. No, that would have made way more sense. Because <laughs> well, uh, one of these shows, I can't remember which one, said they were like Bonnie and Clyde. I was like bullshit. They were like Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> these two? I think not. <laughs> You're very protective of the memory of Bonnie and Clyde, Kristen. I don't really know much about them, but I picture them. (laughs) There's a certain glamour. I don't think they wore like sloppy sweats as they went around. No, they were always dressed to the nines. Mm -hmm. Respect. (laughs) It's a court of law. Were they murderers? They were murderers. Why am I being this way? That's exactly what I'm asking. I don't know. I'm a troubled soul. I had hairs ripped out of me today. (laughs) You did it to yourself, ma'am. It's the worst kind of torture. (laughs) The FBI shared pictures of Mitch and Ruby and spread the word that the couple was likely driving around in John Harrigan's Toyota truck. Yeah. With all that media coverage plus a $100,000 reward from Domino's, it didn't take long to find Mitch and Ruby. A security guard at a Las Vegas casino noticed an abandoned truck in a casino parking lot. The truck belonged to John Harrigan. It had been totally wiped down, but inside it, investigators found John's uniform and name tag. This became huge news. The pizza killers were in Las Vegas. Then... A little before midnight on Christmas Eve, police received an anonymous tip that Mitch and Ruby were in a cheap motel. Mitch had registered for the room under the name Jeff Richardson. Mm. So police went to the motel at around 2 a.m. with a picture of Mitch, and one of the motel workers was like, well, I mean, that could be him. So police surrounded the motel room with guns drawn, and they knocked, and Mitch answered the door. And he put his hands up, and Ruby was just sitting on the bed. Both of them were pretty quiet. It was a very easy arrest. Really? Mm-hmm. What? It's weird. What were you expecting from Dollar Store Bonnie and Clyde? <laughs> well, if it was Wish.com's Bonnie <laughs> and Clyde, I would say that they, you know, go down like a hail of gunfire. And that's what they were expecting. So they had like yeah. they had the place surrounded, but I guess they kind of figured. Mm-hmm. We've been caught, yeah, okay, they went out for drinks with some random guy, mm. and the random guy was the one who tipped off the yeah huh why I mean, why can't you drink alone is what I say, yeah, get your bombay sapphire I and drink just... alone.
2: I' like to be by myself
1: I don't know, it's a what? george
2: it's a George Yeah. song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this
3: bad
1: poetry? Is no. this like confession time? I don't understand. <laughs> when investigators searched the room, they found the cash bag from the Glendale robbery and a gun under the mattress. They also found pages from a phone book with Domino's restaurants circled. Yeah. Under questioning, Mitch was tight-lipped. But Ruby? Not so much. Kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> she squealed like a piggy. She told them everything, according to her. Starting with the Glendale murder, she talked about how they'd cased that Domino's, then gone out and bought rope and a knife. And that night, they'd ordered pizza to their room. And as soon as John delivered it, Mitch attacked him. He kneed him in the stomach, pulled a gun on him, and robbed him. John was totally compliant. I imagine he thought, well, this is just a robbery. Um... It'd be over soon enough. Yeah. According to Ruby, Mitch didn't want to shoot John because he was afraid of the noise. It might draw attention to them. So Mitch tied John's hands behind his back, put a sock in John's mouth, and tied a rag around his mouth so that he could barely Mm -hmm. breathe. Then he filled the tub with water and put John in it. Ruby claimed that Mitch held John under the water until he was dead. She claimed not to have helped in any way. Of course. With Ruby and Mitch under arrest, it was time for justice. But who would serve up the justice first? Oh so, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, mm. Opposite coasts here fighting. Who deserves it, Brandy?
3: Uh, uh yeah, I know right.
1: <laughs> so South Carolina wanted to go first, but of course so did California. And Ruby and Mitch, who really didn't want to get the death penalty, really wanted to stay in California. And that turned out to be a brilliant plan because once their trials ended in California, South Carolina just plum forgot about the double homicide at their dominoes. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Did they not have the death penalty? At... No, they did. But, you know, yeah, yeah, read yeah. the room. I mean, you're, yeah. you're for sure going to die in South Carolina, <laughs> maybe not in California. <laughs> They're just taking their chances. Yeah. Fun fact about South Carolina, all the boiled peanuts in the pimento cheese makes people forgetful. <laughs> That's how they forgot about the devil. That insider knowledge about South Carolina there. You ever had pimento cheese? Yeah, it's like cheese with little pimentos in it, right? And you spread it on a cracker. It's like spreadable cheese. Okay, see, here's the thing. One time when I was in North Carolina, see, I'd never heard of pimento cheese. I'd never even seen it before. Yeah. And we were at some, like, potluck thing. Mm-hmm. And I just saw a big bowl of it, so yeah. I just, you know, I'm polite, you know, so I yeah. take some of everything that everybody's brought, yeah, and I just start eating this pimento cheese with a fork.
2: <laughs> you
1: didn't put it on a cracker. I had no idea. I had no idea what you were supposed to do with uh, it. You know, it's like a cheese spread. Someone,
2: did you then? Did you see somebody over in the corner like spreading it nicely on a cracker? And you're like,
1: ah. Oh. Someone very politely.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: was like, okay, so I'm I'm trying to remember what exactly happened. Someone saw me do that and was like, that's not the way you eat that. And someone else was like, well, you know, some people spread that on cracker. Other people eat it plain, which is like the most polite way of being like, I've never in my life (laughs) seen anyone eat it plain. (laughs) Anyway.
2: You know, I can't specifically ever remember a time eating pimento cheese. I have no idea where this knowledge of it being a cheese spread comes from. It's like how you say
1: cement, cement. Like there's just some southern (laughs) stuff that's just in you. I just absorbed it organically from my mom. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So California got the first crack at these two. Ruby faced life in prison and Mitch faced the death penalty. Ruby and Mitch's defense teams agreed it would be best if they had separate trials. So Ruby's trial began in January of 1987. And the prosecution argued that Ruby had been an active participant in the entire crime. They argued that John's murder would have been too difficult for Mitch to pull off on his own. They didn't think Mitch could have hogtied John, dragged him to the bathtub, and lifted him into it by himself. What do you think? I think he probably could have. I kind of agree. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: I think killers do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Mitch was a pretty big dude. Ruby was just a little bitty thing. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know how helpful she would have been. Yeah. I, think, I don't think that's a great argument, yeah. <laughs>
2: Never could have pulled it off without,
1: yeah. Although, Women's History Month. <laughs> she could have done it. Don't it's the last day of Women's
3: History
1: <laughs> <laughs> We have not covered any cases that uplift women in any way. No, no, nope. <laughs> sure haven't. We've evolved past all that. <laughs> We've got equal pay now, <laughs> <Why>? and, <laughs> and rape is done. <laughs> that's done. What world are you living in? <laughs> <laughs> I'm living in a delusional mm-hmm. world. The same one where I thought I didn't have a mustache for the longest time. (laughs) It was a wonderful place. (laughs) They argued Mitch had to have had help from Ruby. Mm -hmm. They, of course, called Corey and Ed to the stand, and both men shared their experiences about how Ruby had held a knife on them. And at one point, Ruby had actually held a gun on Ed. That was when Mitch and, yeah, Corey were out front. Mm -hmm. So that obviously looked real bad for Ruby. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that she'd held a gun on one of the guys and held a knife on both of them sure made it seem like she was pretty actively involved. Uh, it sure does. So under cross-examination, the defense asked Ed if she'd verbally threatened him. And he was like, well, no, but, I mean, she held a gun on me. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't need... The gun up, did the talking. Was picking up a lot of <laughs> silent <club laughs> <books>. Yes, <laughs> I'm a pretty sharp guy. <laughs> And then the defense kept pressing him on whether, like, she'd actually threatened him. And finally, i said, What other kind of threat do you want? Which, yeah, I agree. Someone's got a knife on me, they've got a gun on me. Yeah. They don't need to say scary shit. No. I'm scared, okay? Yes. <laughs> I've already pooped my pants. <laughs> yes. Someone put a poop in my pants. <laughs> Ruby's defense argued that she was in the motel room, but that she did not help with these crimes. She had no idea what Mitch had planned. Ruby took the stand in her own defense and claimed that Mitch had bullied her into being part of this scheme and that she'd only been a passive observer in John's murder. She hadn't even been in the bathroom when Mitch did whatever he did to John. Mm -hmm. This contradicted what she'd initially told police about watching Mitch drown, so when pressed on this, she said that she'd only told police that because she wanted to really hurt Mitch by really implicating him in John's murder. Okay. What I think is so interesting about this whole thing, you and I both heard the prosecution say, oh, she couldn't, you know, Mitch couldn't have done this alone. Yeah. And we were both kind of like, mm, maybe could have. Yeah. The jury felt the exact same way until they went on a field trip to the hotel room. Really? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the prosecution had claimed that she had to have helped John take John into the bathtub. Mm -hmm. And the jury didn't fully buy that. They thought, you know, surely Mitch could have done that on his own. But once they got into that hotel room, they were stunned by how narrow the doorway was into the bathroom. It was only like two feet wide. And Mitch was a big guy. And they didn't think he could have carried John in by himself. One of the jurors later said... Either he was dragged into that bathroom, and she had every opportunity to say that, and she didn't, or she helped Sims by carrying Harrigan's feet or head. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. The jury deliberated for six days and ultimately found Ruby guilty of first-degree murder and armed robbery, but acquitted her on the two counts of attempted murder. She got life in prison without the possibility of parole because there had been a special circumstance attached to John's murder, and that had been that Mitch and Ruby had been lying in wait for him, Mm -hmm. which they obviously had. Yeah. Uh, The defense did highlight Ruby's own horrific experiences with childhood abuse, and the jury said that, you know, they felt sorry for her, but it just wasn't enough to mitigate what they felt she'd done. Mm Mm-hmm. Not mitigate, you know what I mean. Yeah. Make an excuse for it. Yeah. A month later, in March of 1987, Mitch's trial began in California. The prosecution painted Mitch as an angry, vindictive killer who wanted revenge against Domino's, which had to be a real leap of imagination on their part since Mitch was such a lovely guy. (laughs) They called to the stand Deborah Keenan who'd worked with Mitch and dated him when he was the manager of Domino's, and she gave the jury all the hot Domino's drama and told them about how Mitch hated Domino's with a fiery passion. Okay, she went into a lot of detail. This guy, I mean, you know he's off his rocker, but, man, the things he wanted to do to Domino's. Mm-hmm. The thing that kind of amazes me is he seems to have been so mad at his boss, he didn't do anything to his boss, though. yeah. Not that I'm mad about it, but it just seems strange. Yeah, Misplaced rage. Whoops, fudge stripes, overdone rage. Cause like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you didn't get the bonus you thought you were going to get? What are we talking, a couple hundred bucks, dude? Yeah. That's not going to buy you that much Bombay Sapphire. I'll tell you that. <laughs> You're right. If she's drinking it, glug, glug, glug. Yeah. By the handle. They don't make handles of Bombay Sapphire. I have it's no idea. It's too classy. <laughs> That's right. You're a representative for Domino's. You're not a representative That's for right. Bombay Sapphire. That's exactly These are right. things you don't know. Hmm.
2: Okay. I left my Bombay Sapphire uniform in the car.
1: <laughs> Quit freaking me out with that uniform <laughs> stuff. Um, she talked to them about how she eventually dumped Mitch because he was freaking her the fuck out with all this talk about Domino's. Yeah, understood. Yeah. And the defense got up and they were like, "Okay, but didn't you and Mitch drink a lot together and do drugs together?" And she was like, yeah. And they were like, okay, so wasn't he just super drunk when he said all that shit? Can't we just blame it on the ah, 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 (laughs) alcohol? And she said, no, he was pretty sober when he said that shit. Which I don't really understand. Like, he then went and did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, even if he been hitting the Bombay Sapphire. I'm sorry, this is probably terrible for their brand. We're never gonna get... We're never getting a Bombay Bombay <laughs> Sapphire sponsorship. Which is a shame, because I admire their gin. But, I mean, does it matter if he's a little drunk, if he then went and did a no. bunch of the crazy stuff? Anyway, anyway, I rest my case. I rest my
2: in that, in yeah, the prosecution set. <laughs>
1: Mitch's defense attorneys focused on helping their client avoid the death penalty. I mean, that's really your only option yeah. in these cases. His defense attorneys tried to argue that this hadn't been a trap. Nobody had been lying in wait. John had died, get this, by accident. Um, he was... Mitch oh. never intended to kill John, Brandy. So wipe that look off mm-hmm. your face. Mm-hmm. You ready for what really happened? Yeah, huh? John died by accident when he struck his head on the bathtub and subsequently drowned. Uh, what was his head doing in the bathtub? Yeah, exactly. Fuck off, is what yeah. I say. That. that is so ridiculous. Yeah. Because I mentioned there was some debate over was he strangled? Right. Was, well, he was strangled, but what was, was that the what cause of death? Yes. But either way, he didn't put himself in that bathtub. Good God. No. <sighs> anyway fuck off, I say to that. Yes. On May 20th, 1987, after less than a day of deliberations, the jury found Mitch guilty. At sentencing, his defense brought forth Mitch's family members who talked about the horrific abuse that Mitch suffered as a child. Uh, it's it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really they'd all suffered at the hands of his stepdad, Arnold mm-hmm. Cranford. They said that his stepdad Physically, sexually, and verbally abused Mitch starting when he was very young. He forced Mitch to have sex with his own mother and sister. Oh, my Uh, gosh. It, I mean, terrible, terrible stuff. They painted just a horrifying picture of what it had been like to live in that home. The defense hoped that hearing about Mitch's childhood would sway the jury into giving him life in prison without the possibility of parole. But it didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. They unanimously recommended the death penalty. After that, Mitch went on trial in South Carolina for the double murder of Gary Melky and Chris Zare. I'm going to do this one kind of fast just because, mm-hmm. oh, dear God. Yeah. Um, with both victims dead, the prosecution was left to call the police officer and paramedic who talked to Gary before he died. They both said that Gary identified Mitch Sims as the man who'd attacked them and killed Chris. And, you know, at the risk of wrapping it up a little too soon, you should know that the jury found him guilty and Mitch was also sentenced to death in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to find much about what his defense said. Mm-hmm. I imagine once you've already gotten the death penalty in California, you're kind of like, all right. Yeah. Ruby I'm and sure they went the exact same
2: route. Like, yeah, he did it, but look how terrible his childhood was.
1: Maybe, maybe not. It, it honestly made me wonder because I... I was struck by, like, Mitch's sister got up and, I mean, she just let all of her trauma hang out. Because, obviously, Mitch was not the only one who was traumatized. And so she told horrible stories about what had happened to her at the hands of her stepdad. Um, Mitch's mom did the same thing. Told the jury horrible things, all the worst things that had ever happened to Mm -hmm. her. And now that's just in a court record for anyone to look up. Part of me wonders, like... If you've already gotten the death penalty, do you put your family through that again? Right. I mean, I'm talking like Mitch has like a heart of gold. Right. But I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't able to find that. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I wasn't able to find like a huge defense for him. It looks Mm -hmm. like his trial in South Carolina went faster. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Ruby and Mitch both, of course, appealed their sentences, but their appeals were unsuccessful and have been exhausted. Ruby remains in prison in California, and it seems like so does Mitch. Mm. And that's the awful story of a man who hated dominoes. Hell's Good bells! God,
2: that was terrible.
1: Who made me do that? Ugh. Only me. Yeah. No one recommended that. I, that should have been my first tip. Yeah. No one has ever been
2: like, "Hey, you should do this really fun yeah, case. You should do this really terrible case. You'd love it because it happens in dominoes." <laughs> <laughs>
1: We all know how much we love dominoes. I like mentioning dominoes.
2: Yeah, you like it when it's just like a little tidbit you sprinkle in.
1: I think it's fun when the murderers go to places we Oh what what oh God. Is it a lip hair? No, no. I can understand why you'd think that. But I recently had them all removed. That was that was a cat hair because I'm a beautiful woman who leaves a very clean house.
2: Oh, goodness gracious.
1: All right, you want to talk about another terrible case? No. No, why? You know, I feel like it's been a while since we both oopsies I know. did, like, two really, two really terrible, terrible ones. ones. You know, I was like, all right, I've done a whole bunch of accidents. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to what I know. Good old standby. Good
2: old family annihilator.
1: <laughs> Is your family ever afraid of you? Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You <laughs> seem pretty interested. Seems like you've studied up on yeah, some stuff here. Yeah,
2: that's accurate.
1: Um, shout out to
2: an episode all right. What? There is an episode about fatal vows about this case, which I believe to be a British crime show. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. oxygen, British style. Yeah. Okay. But I couldn't actually find the show. What? what I found oh my god what did you find was an article in the mirror uh-huh. that was like a detailed account of the show <laughs> alright alright so thank you to Fatal Vows and the mirror mm-hmm. who then gave me a great you know play by play of the show Fatal mirroring Vows. of the show no uh-huh. <laughs> also I have no idea how to pronounce this guy's last name I believe it's Kaylor but it doesn't give me, sound right. Give me your opinion.
1: Oh, good, because I'm always so good at this. K-A-H-L-E-R.
2: Uh-huh. Oh. I'm going. Kayler. Yeah, I've I've said Kayler in my head the entire so there's time. No, I wrote, there's unsan- no unsaying There's, there. there's okay. not. All right. and I can't imagine
1: it's caller. So what else would it be? You think it's Caller? Why, why wouldn't it be Caller? I don't know. Why can't you imagine it? I don't know. <laughs> Your imagination must be very limited if you can't imagine <laughs> that it would be Caller. I think it's Kayler. Okay. Anyway, we're going with
2: Kayler, and I'm very sorry if it's wrong.
1: Would you say you have an active imagination? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can tell the wheels are always
2: turning. <laughs> they are. <laughs> the wheels on the bus go round and round, Kristen. Okay.
1: Wow. Yes.
2: The Kaler family seemed to have it all,
1: Christian. Oh my God. These always start the same. Until they were all done. <laughs> they were wealthy mm-hmm. and popular.
2: And the envy of many in Weatherford, Texas.
3: <gasps>
2: they were that family. Well
1: you couldn't find an American source for this
2: story no. in Texas. Okay. Wow. First of all, this case is fucking happens in Kansas and I had to get a British
1: it happens Show in Kansas. about can- it. You it it
2: happens in in K- We will get there. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Now I'm intrigued.
2: <laughs> yeah. So they were the envy of many in Weatherford, Texas.
1: You know what I have noticed about these family annihilators? Hmm. So many of them are wealthy. Yeah. What yeah. the hell? No, I don't know. Money. Okay can't buy you happiness, Mm-mm. but they do say that up to like 200k, it makes your life a lot a little, easier. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, guess not for everybody. And I think when they say wealthy, I'm guessing that's
2: like about where they were in the sure in the wealth spectrum. They weren't like, you know, on their Donald Trump shit or anything. That's a that's a Mac Miller song.
1: <laughs> I was afraid you were getting political. I was not. He's going and I to take over want the world say, he's on his Donald Trump shit. I just want to say. You're not here for it? I'm not here for it. And I miss him dearly. Oh, no. Because. <laughs> anyway. Because. As an enthusiastic racist. <laughs> I was really empowered by Donald Trump.
3: <laughs> sure you uh-huh.
1: were. And now I'm feeling bummed. <laughs> to the casual
2: observer, <laughs> the Kaler family looked to have it all together. Mm-hmm. James Craig Kaler, who went by his middle name Craig, met Karen Hetrick when they were both students at Kansas State University. Oh.
1: Located in Manhattan, Kansas. Tell me something I don't know, bitch. Did you ever go to K-State, like, to visit?
3: Uh, is it true that it
1: smells like cow turds? Or is that Emporia? I'm offending so many people. So many oh people. God. Oh, my God. I, I don't know. I have been to Manhattan. Brandy. Which Which Kansas town smells like the cow turds? You know that?
2: D- I don't know. Isn't it Emporia? It might be. Is there like a processing plant, like right by it? <laughs> a cow turned plant? Yeah, like a cow sorry, processing just say, Maybe there's
1: a cow abattoir
2: there. <laughs> Hang on,
1: let me look it up. Okay. Emporia, Kansas. Smells bad. <laughs> Does it smell bad there? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm finding some... I don't think so. I might have made this up. Um, but... The first thing I'm pulling up is TripAdvisor reviews from Emporia, and one of them says, Good price, but smelled bad. <laughs> well, there you go. There you have it. Smoky first room, hot second room with urine smell. Oh, my God. Neither of those are winners. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs>
2: Craig was in his last year of in, of his engineering degree, and Karen was a freshman and one of the most beautiful girls Craig had ever seen. Mm-hmm. They were both ambitious. They were both at the top of their class, and they were described by their peers as
1: bright. What did Karen study? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't
2: know. Craig did so well in school that he was one of only three students from his year that was hand-picked for an engineering job in Colorado. So he and Karen moved to Colorado, got married, welcomed their first daughter, Wait, what happened to...
1: Emily. Wasn't Karen a freshman? Yeah, she just like zip-bam-boomed zip, oh. right out of there. Well, that's why we don't know what she studied. Well... Okay, right. Because well, like she left, right? Yeah, All yes, right. yes. Right. She left. She did not. She had to welcome the child. That's as right. Brandy she had to says. welcome her daughter. It seemed that they were madly in love. Okay, stop Kristen. it! Oh my God.
2: Karen, obviously, they weren't. Obviously Karen told her friends wrong. that she enjoyed making her husband happy. Her friends maybe said that she. Waited on him hand and foot. Oh, God. Which I hate. But they described her as the perfect homemaker. In 1999, an opportunity came to Craig and he just could not pass it up. He was offered the position of utility director at the power plant, the electric (laughs) company. (laughs) What's wrong with you? In Weatherford, Texas, what do you call it? I think different people call it different things. Okay, the electric company, the utility sure. company. I mean, the power and light company. Hey, don't lose confidence halfway <laughs> through this thing. Come on, just say it. So the family moved to Weatherford, and they settled into a very traditional Texas brick home, which this British article called a mansion. Oh, God, <laughs> God bless. Yeah, it, we've just got more space. It out was just—it was a very standard Texas home. It was not even that big. Like, I mean, two thousand square feet. Like yeah, that's a yeah. mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, <laughs> they had a couple more kids: a daughter they named Lauren, a son they named Sean. Did they welcome? They Lauren did. They and welcomed Shawn. Lauren. Okay, and very good. They did. And the family was a hit in Weatherford.
1: I've never heard of a family described as a hit, they but I get it. Hit. I totally get they it. They were though. a big hit. Yeah. The girls started a band with their friends. Oh, okay.
2: Karen made a bunch of friends with the other moms. They described her as loving and creative, and she was a key member of the Weatherford Society. Hmm. Colleagues described Craig as brilliant and hardworking. Like I said, they seem to be the perfect family. (laughs) However... And this will come as a shock to no one, because there's a reason I'm telling you about this Mm -hmm. family right now. All was not as it seemed.
1: Karen confided in her sister, Lynn. Oh, my God. Tomorrow's April Fool's Day. How funny would it have been if you were really just telling telling me about about a a great great family? family. (laughs) I didn't. Yeah, I know. You would never.
2: (laughs) I wish I would have thought about that instead of about to tell you this terrible story. Uh, Karen confided in her sister Lynn that things in her marriage were not great. There's a bunch of weird shit going on. Her husband had made a bunch of bizarre requests, including that they had sex every night at 8 p.m. Why 8 p.m.? I don't know. That's when he wanted it. And so they had sex every night at 8 p.m. without fail.
1: Oh, Karen. And
2: that he had imposed a curfew on Karen. She had to be in bed at 9 p.m.
1: Where were they having the sex? Well, I'm assuming Sorry, they were a having the sex,
2: yeah. And then they, you know, she'd have to like clean up the house and load the dishwasher and then get in bed and go to sleep at 9 p.m. What a fun life. Yeah. Karen told her sister that it had basically just become like a chore that she had to do every day mm-hmm. and that she just did it because it made things run smoothly. She also told her sister that Craig gave her a carefully supervised allowance. Oh, God. And he demanded receipts for every purchase, including, like, everyday items like diapers and cereal and... Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. It's not great. Karen began to feel very isolated in mm-hmm. this in this life and so she That was no mistake. Yeah. And so she started to look for an outlet. And she joined a gym called the Powerhouse in Weatherford. She knew that Craig would not pay for her membership at the gym because right. he would see it as like extravagant or like a, like you're trying to do something outside the home uh-huh. or... You
1: might meet other people. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's forbidden. Yep. And so she raised money for her gym membership by selling cakes. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So she sold these cakes. She paid for her gym membership. And before long, she was a regular there. She knew everybody there. She fit in really well. And they hired her as a fitness instructor. Oh, I bet her douchebag hubby hated that. So he actually liked it at first because she was looking real hot, mm. real fit.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: as long as she was home by, you know, 8 p.m. for the sex and the kids were all taken care of and she was in bed Yeah, as long as he didn't have to nine, do anything, yeah, yeah, then he was fine with it. Okay. And Karen was loving it because she made friends and she was out of the house and it was like a part of her life that she controlled. Mm-hmm. And she met a bunch of people there, like a really good friend named Sunny Reese. She was beautiful. She was a fitness instructor. And she and Karen became inseparable. Did they fall in love? Yeah. (gasps) Whoa. Yep. Yep. So there's a few different versions of how their relationship began, Uh but kind of the most agreed upon version is that Craig encouraged them
3: Mm -hmm.
2: to have a relationship Mm -hmm. and then have a threesome with him.
1: Yeah, he thought it was all fun and boners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is super fucking hot. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
2: absolutely.
1: Hey, let's all have sex together. Oh, wait. You two are actually in love, Mm -hmm. and everyone hates me. Now I'm not having fun
2: anymore. Yeah, exactly. So he encouraged the relationship initially, and then he was like, "Holy shit,
1: what?" And And it's like he didn't. It didn't occur to him that there could be something between two women. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly. He was like, "This is purely for my
2: pleasure." Uh Yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly what it was like.
1: Poor guy had his old paradigm shifted, no, didn't I, he? He sure mm-hmm. did. He sure did. And
2: so Sonny and Karen have this, this deep relationship happening with each other. And Craig's just kind of like on the outside of it. And then he realizes, like, I've lost control here. hmm And so he needs to do something to get his control back. Oh, God. And so he moved the family to Missouri.
3: No. Mm -hmm.
2: He took a new job at the Water and Light Department in Columbia, Missouri, and moved them all there against all of their wishes. None of them wanted to relocate to Missouri, including Karen and the kids.
1: Of course. So they moved
2: there in June of 2008. Karen was super upset. She had left Sonny behind. The kids were upset to leave their schools. Yes, of course. But Craig was like, well, that'll be the end of that. That affair will end. Mm -hmm. But of course it didn't. Like, there are phones. And... Computers. What? <laughs> and so they, con- Sonny and Karen continued their relationship long distance. Yeah. And Karen and Craig's relationship became extremely strained. Weird. Yeah, hmm. super weird. <clears throat> and it kind of, and it kind of all came to a head on December 31st, 2008, when they went back to Weatherford for a New Year's Eve party
3: hmm.
2: that Sonny happened to be at. So at this party, Sonny and Karen kind of wandered off together, and Mm -hmm. they were seen kissing by someone at the party. So what had previously been this, like, secret relationship that Craig thought he, you know, had complete control over Mm -hmm. and whatever was now everybody knew, and Craig was, like, pissed and embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And he and Karen ended up in a full-on shouting match in front of all of the guests at the party. Oh,
1: dear God.
2: And it ended when one of them shoved the other, which there's not a clear uh-huh. thing about who did the shoving, but my, my money's on Craig. Yeah. I don't have proof of this. I'm just saying. And like, all those
1: polite people looked the other way. Yeah,
2: exactly. It was shortly after this that right. Karen Kaler filed for divorce. She Initially, she moved her bed into another room in their house in Columbia, and she started sleeping separately from him and separating herself from him, but she was still very much under his control. He controlled all of their money. Mm -hmm. So while she'd formally filed for divorce, she didn't have the means at this point to, like, actually leave and get herself her own residence. And so she just moved into another part of the house and, Craig started calling all of their friends and family members and telling them that Karen gone crazy and mm-hmm. they just needed to talk some sense into her. And oh, this is so gross. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I just bumped the mic. Yeah, it's horrible. Yep. By March of two thousand nine, Karen and Craig were in the middle of a nasty divorce. They were disputing everything: money, the house, child mm-hmm. support. Craig was convinced that this divorce was all an attempt to get at his money couldn't be because he was you know like a terrible husband and she was in love with someone else no it couldn't be that he was great yeah so he began like as this divorce continues to go on, he just begins behaving more and more erratically
1: Um, no but she had gone crazy mm,
2: oh i'm sorry i forgot yeah (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) my mistake the problems were all on one side yes On March 16th, 2009, there was some kind of altercation at their home in Columbia, and Karen called the police. And Craig was actually arrested on suspicion of domestic assault. Um, He was like, whoa, 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 this is all a big misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. I, I am starved for affection. Oh, my God. I was just trying to give my wife, whom I love, a big old bear hug. Oh, my God. And I'm sorry, she did get just, like, a little bruise on her arm. I was just trying to
1: hug her. Oh, yeah. Okay, Lenny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That was, like, it for Karen. She was like, that's fine. I'm moving out. I I believe Mm -hmm. she got some help from her family to, like, take the kids and go. Oh, God. And as the year progressed, things just got worse and worse with Craig. He didn't want to see his daughters at all. He only wanted to see his son. He felt betrayed by his daughters because they accepted Sonny as their mom's partner. How dare they? Yeah, and were, like, excited to see their mom happy. (gasps) Yes. Oh, the betrayal. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Craig became obsessed with Karen. He stalked her, he spied on her, he let the air out of her tires, oh, he installed Lord. spyware on her computer. He was just completely obsessed and like his whole world was his marriage falling apart and and how dare she do this and does she know what she's giving up and I think she does know what she's giving I up. I think she knows exactly what she His behavior had devolved so much that he would literally sit at work with his colleagues and go over family albums of like when they had all of these happier times. What? Uh huh.
1: Oh my God.
2: Yeah. He was. Those poor co workers. Oh my gosh. Well, and he
1: was like the head guy, right? So they had to sit around and be like, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was so
2: bad that finally, like, the. I don't know, somebody from the city who is, like, yeah. overseeing the Probably utility the department. Probably the city manager. Yeah, had like, to come in hey, and but... be like, hey, buddy, I think we, it's time for you to tender your resignation. Like, this Oh, is...
1: wow. So it wasn't just like, hey, put the photo albums no. away. Okay.
2: He lost his job.
1: They allowed mm. him
2: to resign, but he was essentially fired. Yeah, yeah. By this time, it was August of 2009. Shortly after Craig had lost his job, his parents decided it was time to intervene mm-hmm. and so they drove to columbia and they brought craig home to live with them in meriden kansas which is where he was from they thought that with their support he could get his life back on track you sure. know, get a job sure. pull himself back together but sadly that's not what happened a few months later thanksgiving weekend to be precise an unthinkable tragedy occurred. Sean had joined his dad at so Sean's the son. He had mm-hmm. joined his dad at the family ranch in Meriden for Thanksgiving. So Meriden's like just outside of Topeka. Okay. So he.
1: Joined this his, is helpful to me and no one else is yeah, listening. Yes, <laughs> it's a little town in Kansas. Yes.
2: Um so he had joined his dad for Thanksgiving while his mom and his sisters went to Karen's sister's home in Derby, Kansas. Mm-hmm. So that was how they spent the actual Thanksgiving holiday, but the family had this like long-standing tradition of spending the weekend after Thanksgiving at the home of Karen's grandmother, Dorothy White. And she lived in Burlingame, Kansas, which again is right outside of Topeka. Topeka's the capital. It's about an hour west of here smells like dog food. No, because they have the Purina mm-hmm. plant there? Yeah. You think it smells like dog food? Have you been to Topeka? I've been to Topeka lots of times. You don't think Topeka has a smell? I, I guess I've never noticed it. You've never
1: noticed... I guess the not! ...the scent of Topeka, I guess Kansas. I not! Brandy. <laughs> the Purina plant is there, so... Yeah, I know it's there. So, okay... When I got accepted to Washburn, yeah. law school there, Norm and I drove there and we were like, can we get used to this? We don't know. I've legitimately never noticed the smell. Norm worked
2: in Topeka. Yeah, I used to, I had two, when I was district manager, yeah. I had two stores in Topeka. I went to Topeka all the time. I took my state boards in Topeka.
1: Did you get have get licensed as a cosmetologist? Two bottles of Febreze just hanging, hanging from, from your my earlobes. Just... Yes, I did
2: have my Febreze earrings on. Yeah, I'm that offending
1: everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> now I feel like I need to like throw out my Kansas credentials. Yeah, grew up in Kansas. Of course, I can say whatever I want about what, Kansas. whatever the fudge you want about Kansas. All right, love you, yeah. Kansas. You yeah. stinky little thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the family tradition is that they all spend the weekend after Thanksgiving. At Karen's grandma's house. hmm So the arrangement, they had made this arrangement that Sean would spend Thanksgiving with his dad and then Karen would meet someone in Topeka to pick up Sean on right. Saturday after Thanksgiving and then go back to grandma's house. That morning, though, Sean called his mom and was like, I'm having so much fun. We've been fishing and hunting and can I just stay with dad? Mm-hmm and Karen was like, "No, I'm sorry. This is the this is the plan. You spent Thanksgiving with him. Now you need to come and spend the rest of the weekend with the family." Yeah. At Grandma Dorothy's. And so Craig was upset about this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So while he was out running an errand, Craig's mom took Sean to meet Karen yeah. in Topeka. She was like, we're, you know, yep. this was the arrangement. We're going to mm-hmm. stick to the arrangement. So Karen got Sean, went back to Grandma Dorothy's house. But Craig was not pleased that his mother had done this. He was not pleased that Sean was gone when he got back from running his errand. Mm hmm. And around 5.30 that evening... Did he guilt
1: his son into spending, wanting to spend more time with him? Oh,
2: it's po- I think it's very possible. Yeah. yeah, I think it's very possible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So sometime around
2: 5.30 that evening, the police got a couple of calls from different people in Burlingame who were reporting a suspicious vehicle. There was a man in a red Ford Explorer that had, like, parked... I don't know, on a street, and they thought the guy was acting super weird. And, like, one of them had even, like, called out to the guy, and he'd ignored him. And so they called the police and just reported it as a suspicious vehicle. Yeah, It was Craig Kaler's vehicle. Mm -hmm. Police would later find out. At around 6 p.m., Sean and Karen were standing in the kitchen of Grandma Dorothy's home. So... Um, Sean was like a he was like 11 years old okay but he liked collecting coins and grandma Dorothy had all of these old coins and so they were standing at the kitchen sink cleaning these coins to see if any of them were you know anything good for his collection whatever sure and through the back door comes Craig Kaler (sighs) just walks right into Dorothy White's house into the kitchen he looks at Karen and he shoots her shoots her twice. Sean is standing right next to his mother when his father shoots her twice. Sean runs out the back door. Yeah. As Craig continues through the home, Sean ran to a neighbor's house and called the police.
3: Oh, my God.
2: About this same time that the police were called from the neighbor's Mm -hmm. house, Dorothy White's life alert system... Initiates an emergency assistance call, which then so like it goes through like a call center that then calls nine one one. Was she? Did she wear one of she those? She had, yeah, she had oh my one God, of those things okay. on. Um, and so, what it also does is it records all of the activity <gasps> in the room, like it creates an audio recording. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So whatever specific whatever system that she yeah. had, it did this. And so they there is an audio recording of people screaming,
3: oh.
2: of Lauren saying that she doesn't want to die. So Craig walked through the house and systematically mm-hmm. shot Lauren and Emily and Dorothy White. Um, when officers arrived, Karen was laying on the floor in the kitchen. She'd been shot twice. She was unconscious and she had like a very faint pulse. Emily had been shot twice. She was laying on the living room floor and she was dead. Dorothy White was sitting in a recliner in the living room, like holding pressure to her stomach where she had Mm -hmm. been shot. And Lauren was found upstairs. She had also been shot twice. And she was conscious, but she was having trouble breathing. She told the first officer who arrived on the scene that she didn't want to die Mm. and that her dad had done this. Oh, God. Craig Kaler was nowhere to be found. He wasn't in the house, but both Lauren and Dorothy identified him as the shooter. And then Mm -hmm. Sean, who was unharmed. Physically unharmed. Yeah, yeah. Said the same thing. So they launched this like all out manhunt for Craig Kaler. Lauren dies as soon as she gets to the hospital, and yeah. Dorothy White succumbed to her injuries like two days later. Craig managed to elude law enforcement that evening, but the next day, he was just like found walking down the side of the road like a quarter mile from. Where hmm. his car had been parked, mm-hmm. he was like walking in a ditch. He looked all disheveled, and like a kbi or a kbi um agent agent, thank you, mm-hmm. like, pulled up and saw him, and he knew he matched the description.
1: oh, weird.
2: Yes. And he just looks at him and he goes, "Yeah, I'm the guy. Oh, I'm the guy you're looking for. So the guys like, so this this agent's like, Okay. Okay, Cool. And he's, like, trying to, like, he starts taking him into custody, and he doesn't fight at all. Yeah. And he just keeps saying, I messed up. I messed up. So they find his vehicle that was parked, you know, that was called in, and they find unused ammunition. They find a bottle of anxiety medication that had been unused, and it dated back to March of 2009. Cool. Don't take your meds. Mm Mm-hmm. So fast forward to December 2010, when Craig Kaler had his preliminary hearing. Mm -hmm. He entered a plea of insanity. Um, At this point, Kansas had made it clear that they were seeking the death penalty against him. So this was really like it wasn't a question of whether he had done it. The question was, what was his state of mind Mm
3: -hmm.
2: when he did it? The defense claimed that he had. Mentally snapped because of Karen's lesbian affair.
1: Okay, Mm -hmm.
2: here we go. They said it had all just piled up. His, His wife had left him for a woman. He'd lost his job. He hadn't taken his anxiety medication. Remember, he had displayed all of that erratic behavior. And he didn't try to cover up murder. All of that was evidence that he was insane during the crime. His trial began in August of 2011. The prosecution argued that Craig had consciously planned the murder. He was a hunter. He had guns in the house. He was consciously planning to use those weapons to kill his family in cold-blooded murder. He didn't miss a single target. He fired seven shots and he... Made contact on all of them. Wow. And of those seven shots, six of them were fatal wounds on their own.
3: Wow.
2: hmm Yeah. The prosecution argued that he had enough presence of mind in the moment to spare himself and to spare his son. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. They said this wasn't someone who was out of control. Mm -hmm. This was a calculated thing. In the defense's opening argument, I'm just going to warn you right now that I might mess this up. The prosecutor's last name is Hanley Mm -hmm. and the defense attorney's last name is Haney. There's (laughs) There's okay. <laughs> one letter apart. So <laughs> that's some bullshit, <laughs> it is some bullshit. So the defense attorney, Tom Haney, got up and he told the jury, which was a mix of nine men and six women, mm-hmm. that they would hear evidence that showed that Craig was mentally overwhelmed and not able to control his behavior in the months that led up to the killings. He said, we are going to show you that this horrible human tragedy occurred. They did not deserve what happened. Our argument is not that they deserved what happened to them.
1: Well, yeah, that would be nuts if it well, was. Exactly. So calm down. I mean, so- I
2: think that's just a stupid thing to say. It is. It is.
1: I'm not here to tell you that the
3: victims deserve to yeah. die.
2: Yeah. He went on to say, how could anyone do this? There is no simple answer. No one in their right mind. Okay. No sane person. No loving father could do this to his children. These acts are of a person with a mentally diseased mind, not of a cold-blooded, calculated murderer.
1: What's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know there is a difference. Yeah. How are they drawing the line?
2: Yeah, exactly. So the defense attempted to establish that severe depression had made Craig incapable of forming the intent and premeditation required to establish the crime of capital murder. So this is their attempt to get him out of the death penalty, essentially. If they can say that he lacked the ability to form intent and premeditation, both of those are required to convict him of capital murder, Mm -hmm. which has to be capital murder for him to get the death penalty. The defense presented expert testimony from Dr. Steven Peterson, who was a forensic psychiatrist, and he testified that Craig Kaler was suffering from severe major depression at the time of the murders and that, quote, his capacity to manage his own behavior had been severely degraded so that he couldn't refrain from what he did. I don't know, man. He he knew enough to let his son run out the door. Yeah. Yeah. If he's really going in there with no control over himself, he kills his son too.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I also don't like this idea that, like, and his wife left him for a woman. Mm-hmm. And that was so shocking. That is so yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. That people would even make that argument. I agree. But I, I agree. think it's especially bullshitty when you just consider the facts, which is that initially he encouraged it. So he couldn't have been too fucking shocked by right. it. Right.
2: So this was like, this was the whole part of the defense's case. It's like, mm-hmm. here's our expert. He says, you know, he lacked the ability to to have intent. He was out of control. He'd completely snapped. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution puts up an expert who's like, Oh, I disagree. Yeah. In my opinion, the fact that he let his son live shows that he'd he absolutely could make decisions yeah. while he was there. Yeah. In addition to that expert testimony, the prosecution put up a very compelling case against Craig Kaler. I mean, there's not a question about if Craig did this. Mm-hmm. The question comes down to what is his state of mind when he did it. 11-year-old Sean Kaler testified.
1: Oh, I didn't realize he was only 11. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that he, poor little Oh, guy. Yeah. So
2: he testified that he watched his father shoot his mom and his great-grandma before he ran from the house. He talked about how he initially ran out of the house and then he ran around the front of the house and he was going to come back in to get to a phone. Mm Mm-hmm. But then he saw his dad with the gun and he ducked down and he decided he should run to a neighbor's house. So he ran to one house and no one was there. And so then he ran to across the street to another house. And he said he heard gunshots as he yeah. was running.
3: Oh, my
1: God.
2: And he got to the house across the street and he said, my grandma lives across the street. My dad's in there shooting my family. And they called 911. He also talked about he gave specific testimony about the gun that his dad used. I guess the gun was never recovered. He ditched it at some point and it was never found so they they had
1: the presence of mind to hide Uh Mm okay interesting Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. the first deputy to arrive on scene testified about how he responded to that life alert call that was Mm -hmm. the first call that came in the life alert actually came in before the 911 call from the neighbor and he said that he the life alert people had let them know that there was some kind of incident and that they could hear screaming and that there was a shooting. And so they knew a little bit of what they were okay, going That was going to be my
1: question was like, does this poor guy just think he's like an old lady has fallen and yeah, can't get up? Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. No. So Good. because because the call center can hear the audio, yeah. they are alerted that there is some kind of event happening. This is not just a medical yeah, emergency. I didn't realize
1: they could hear it in real time. I don't.
2: I don't know. From my understanding, from what I read, is maybe that Dorothy relayed that to mm-hmm. the call center. And that's when it was escalated to a 911 call. So she... You know how we're going to get to the bottom of this. What's that? Let's get you a life away. Well, let's test it out. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So she, I believe, relays that there's been a shooting because, you know, she yeah. was speaking at this point, you know. Yeah. And so he talks about that and how he forced entry into the home. His words. mm Okay, and that he heard crying, a voice crying for help from upstairs, and it was the voice of Lauren, and she told him, "Don't let me die. I don't want to. I don't want to die." And he just sat there and comforted her. That's all he could do. He then, once more people arrived on scene, he went back downstairs and he found the body of Emily, and Dorothy was talking to them at that point and said he just came in and started shooting. Mm. When they gave the testimony about how Dorothy and Lauren both identified Craig Kaler as the shooter, the defense objected to this saying that this is inadmissible hearsay. Because
3: it's information. No, it was Lauren's
1: last statement before she died. It was a dying declaration. Yes. So it's allowed. You're exactly right. And why wouldn't the child's statement be allowed? Yeah. What was their logic for that? So it we wasn't, don't like it.
2: No, no, no. So the, it was it was Dorothy and Warren. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, Dorothy, Dorothy and Lauren. Warren. Yes, gave that information to a third party mm-hmm. who then testified in court that that was the information they gave him. So the defense is like
1: inadmissible hearsay. No, but no, no
2: dying it, declaration. A dying declaration.
1: Exactly. Same thing happened in my in my case with Gary uh-huh. uh, Melky. They they tried to get that thrown out, but yeah, you know, because they were like, well, he died two days later, and it's uh-huh. like. Well, my dude, he was shot four times. Yeah, He exactly. knew he was going to die. Everyone knew he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Ugh, anyway.
2: Kind of the star witness for the prosecution was Sunny Reese. Mm. She took the stand and she talked about her relationship with Karen and how Craig had really encouraged it. Mm-hmm. He'd sent her a bunch of texts encouraging it. He'd sent her flowers at one point. And then she testified about how she'd observed Karen and Craig's relationship, and she was really worried for Karen's safety. Yeah. And she encouraged Karen to divorce Craig, not so that they could be together, Mm -hmm. but because she was worried he was unstable, and she was worried by his controlling nature, and she thought that that wouldn't end well. Yeah. Yeah. The defense attorney was like, "Oh, so you did encourage her to divorce him, huh?" Uh, and she was like, "I did. I absolutely yeah. did." I, and she was, and they like the prosecution presented this evidence of this email that Sonny had sent Karen at one point that was like, "How to divorce a narcissistic partner?" Yeah, yeah, and like because it is, it's really difficult when you're trying to leave any relationship and especially if that's ramped up by someone having control and narcissism and all kinds of issues so yeah she she was like yes i did encourage her to divorce him but not so that we could be together which
1: well and encouraging someone to divorce another person is not a crime and clearly it was the i mean yeah she was on to something there yeah and then on cross-examination
2: the the defense attorney was like, do you have any proof of these text messages where Craig supposedly encouraged your relationship with his wife? And Reese is like, Nope, nope, I don't I don't have any I don't have any copies of those text messages to show you. And he's like, so you don't have anything other than your testimony today that Craig Kaler suggested a threesome. And Sonny was like, no, sir, it's just my word. Mm -hmm. Like, you think you're making like some big point?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He has no points. This is all he can do. Yeah.
2: Eric Mitchell, who was the coroner and forensic pathologist, testified that of the seven gunshot wounds suffered by the victims... Six of them were fatal shots. He knew what he was doing Mm -hmm. when he went. These were targeted shots, and he hit his target every time. Yeah. And he let his son live. Like, I, to me, that is the biggest sign that he knew what he was doing when he walked in that house. Yeah. During their closing arguments, the defense counsel said that craig kayler was incapable of forming the requisite premeditation or intent at the time of the killings and the state said okay the defense has told you that but did they prove it to you no they didn't and when you're talking about an insanity Mm -hmm. defense the burden of proof lies on the defense yep Assistant Attorney General Amy Hanley said in her closing arguments that Kayler was angry and he gunned down his family members because he believed he could fix his problems by getting rid of those he felt were responsible.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. She said the defendant had a plan. In his mind, he had a problem to eliminate and he knew how to do it. Kaler's defense attorney tried to, like, counter this by saying that Craig was mentally broken because of his wife's lesbian affair and her pursuit of a divorce. He said, what happens when someone who's rigid is put under too much pressure? They snap. Okay, man. And he he literally broke a pencil in front of the jurors when he said that. And they were like, whoa. Whoa, you're blowing our minds up here, man. Yeah. Uh, the jury deliberated for two hours before convicting
1: Craig Kaler of capital murder. What? Wait, didn't they see the pencil snap? I, it's like they didn't even see the pencil snap. <laughs> Damn it. Although, I got to say, do you ever watch, um, I think it's <laughs> Cold Case File? I think that's what it's called. Uh-huh. Do you ever watch that? I've seen it, yeah. Okay. the The lady on there, who mm-hmm. I enjoy immensely... She talks about circumstantial cases. Have you seen her do this? She'll be like, you know, okay. A circumstantial piece of evidence, kind of like this pencil. She picks up the pencil.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: If this is all we've got, she snaps it. It can break. (laughs) But in this case, and she says this is like every case. In this case, we have, you know, this thing. And she grabs a pencil. And we have this other thing. And and then she can't 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 break break. all the pencils. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. The first time she did it, I was like, oh! Oh. And then the fourth time she did it, I was like, you say this about all the cases! (laughs) I've seen it before! I've never (laughs) felt more betrayed.
2: (laughs) So following his conviction on capital murder charges, a penalty phase began. And the prosecution laid out the aggravating factors, and the defense laid out the mitigating factors, and blah, blah, blah. Um, And Sean made a statement and asked the jury not to kill his dad. Oh,
1: poor Sean.
2: He said it would be hard on his grandparents.
1: That poor kid. I I hope he's doing okay. Despite
2: Sean's request to the jury, they recommended the death penalty for Craig Kaler. At his formal sentencing on October eleventh, two 2011, Craig displayed some real odd behavior by making a lot of sarcastic and hateful comments, from the defense table, some under his breath and others, not so much. In a statement to the court, he addressed his parents saying, take care of Sean so he's not raised by a bunch of freaks, Oh, referring to the okay. relatives of Karen who were currently oh. taking care of him. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Also, during his formal sentencing, there was a moment for like victim impact statements, mm-hmm. and in one of them, Karen's sister gave a statement about how like finally this was all over but that didn't really give them closure but at least she knew she could go out and enjoy a sunny day and Craig couldn't mm-hmm. and he made a comment about like under his breath about like enjoying Sunny because Sunny was the name of Karen's mm. like
3: Girlfriend? The woman that, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: okay,
3: yeah I don't know man it yeah. was weird
2: After hearing victim impact statements from Karen's family, the judge formally imposed a sentence of death. So Craig Kaler appealed his conviction to the Kansas Supreme Court. Court. So in Kansas, I don't know how many states this is the case in, but in Kansas, in a capital murder case, you can appeal directly to the Supreme Court. You Mm -hmm. don't have to go through the other channels first. No rigmarole. That's right. And so he was appealing on like 10 trial errors that he said happened. And then also he was appealing because he believed that Kansas's insanity defense law is unconstitutional. Really? Yes. So here's a little background on that. In 1995, the state of Kansas passed a law which revoked the traditional insanity defense. So, defendants could no longer argue that because of their mental illness, they were incapable of deciding right from wrong. Instead, defendants suffering from mental illness are only permitted to argue that their mental illness prevented them from forming intent. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, it changes the definition of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Narrows it a lot, takes away the broad definition yeah. and makes it very specific. So here's kind of an example of that that was given by Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer when this law came into effect. So he said, OK, here's like here's two cases. In case one, the defendant, due to insanity, believes that the victim is a wolf. He shoots and kills the wolf. Mm hmm. In case two, the defendant, due to insanity, believes that a wolf, a supernatural figure, has ordered him to kill a victim. In case one, the defendant doesn't know that he's killed a human being.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He, he His insanity tells him that he has killed a wolf. So he doesn't have – it negates the mental element necessary to commit the crime. Right in case 2 the defendant has intentionally killed a victim who is a human being so yeah under the new law only the only in case 1 would they be able to argue insanity in case 2 they wouldn't cuz they knew they were killing someone mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: so craig has appealed to the Kansas Supreme Court that they and they were like no man like yeah. We've seen, we've said it before. We'll say it again. Our insanity law is what it is. It's not unconstitutional. Your due process was not violated. Good day, sir. Mm. So then, Craig Kaler appealed his conviction to the United States <laughs>
1: Supreme <laughs> Court, and they were like, "Nope, get out of here."
2: They agreed to hear the case. <gasps> really? Yeah. No way. In October of 2019. Wow. Yes. Okay, these things, they always try to get him to the Supreme Court, but they hardly
1: ever get there. And so
2: they listened, they heard the case in October. And so basically, Kaler's argument to the Supreme Court was that the... M. Naughton rule, which I'm sure that I'm not pronouncing that right, but it's the basis of the traditional insanity defense. This okay. dates back to like medieval times or something.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, dates back a really long the time. The restaurant? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's So he argued that this represents the codification of a legal concept that goes all the way back to medieval common law and should be considered part of the due process of law. Mm-hmm. So he's like, By by narrowing the definition and getting rid of the Monoton rule or however you pronounce it, you've you've violated my due process. Okay. And his argument went on to assert that for centuries, defendants have been held culpable only when they were to be able to distinguish between right and wrong and that people who are legally insane do not have the capacity to do so. So by narrowing this definition, you're narrowing it too much, and now you've violated my due process, Mm -hmm. and I don't like it. And then the state argued, they're like, no, we, you know, the United States has long said that the states have the autonomy to make their own laws within the framework of the Constitution, and this doesn't violate the Constitution. Mm -hmm. It just narrows a very broad
1: definition. right?
2: And so... The Supreme Court just ruled on this, like, in May of 2020. you
1: kidding me. Okay, what'd they say?
2: So the majority opinion was written by Elena Kagan, Mm -hmm. who said, we agree with Kansas's Mm -hmm. state. So Elena Kagan said, Kansas law does not violate the fundamental right to due process. She went on to note that the definitions of legal culpability and mental illness have been traditionally reserved for the state level. Mm Mm-hmm. She said that contrary to Kaler's argument before the court, Kansas had not, in fact, abolished the insanity defense, but instead had simply modified it, which the Constitution permits. So, and the opinion pointed out that Kaler could still have presented a mental illness defense at trial and could have presented that as like a mitigating factor at the penalty phase. But they didn't really do that. Hmm. Three people did dissent on this. Who we got? Stephen Breyer. Okay. RBG. Hmm. Sonia Sotomayor. So the three of them dissented. And they said basically that Kansas's law doesn't simply modify the insanity defense. It narrows it too much to where it has removed the core requirement of whether a defendant could distinguish from right and wrong. Yeah.
1: How do you feel?
2: I don't know. I'm very conflicted. I do think it's good that we have a, a narrow definition, but I don't know if it it may be too narrowed.
1: Yeah, I think whether you know if something's right or wrong, that has to be a factor. Yeah,
2: yeah. Which is the basis of that im not Monoton M
1: night Menoon <laughs> <na>, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So his appeal was denied. Yeah, he remains on death row in Kansas. so he's held at El Dorado.. Mm-hmm. As of 2024 other states have passed insanity defense laws similar to Kansas. They are Idaho, Alaska, Utah, and Montana. Hmm. And that's the story of a family annihilator. So I think there's... That was really interesting. I do. I think it is interesting because I do, I can see what they're saying in the dissent. Yeah. I don't know that it applies to Craig Kaler's case, though. Like, I don't know that, I don't know that that's the argument. Did he know right from wrong? Like, Mm -hmm. I think he did know right from wrong. I think that's proven by the fact that he allowed his son to live. Sure, but that's another issue. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that like yeah, I think this is argued on a different issue altogether than mm-hmm. than what his trial really was. Yeah. I don't know, man.
1: <laughs> I get really uncomfortable with the insanity stuff because I just
2: I think we don't understand enough about mental illness no, to we begin don't. with. We Absolutely.
1: Don't. And yeah. so I kind of feel like, who am I to say yeah. anything about this? But I do feel like, yeah, whether a person knew whether they were doing something right or wrong. Yeah. That is of interest to me. That makes a yeah. difference. See, but then how do you know if somebody exactly? knew? Exactly. <sighs> and I have trouble
2: with this little scenario that they give about when you could use and when you couldn't use. Because under both of those instances. Mm hmm. I don't know, man. I think I'd listen to an insanity defense. If so, so if someone comes in and they're like, I believed I was killing a wolf, but it was actually a person. I'd be like, yeah, that dude's insane. Mm-hmm. But also, I believed that a wolf told me to kill my mom. I'd probably also believe that guy was
1: insane. Unless that guy just really wanted to kill his mom. Yeah. I don't know. It is it toughie. Does it make a difference if the mom just had a lesbian affair?
2: <gasps> Makes all the difference. <laughs>
1: Imagine the shock.
2: I wonder how often this happens where, like, a guy's like, oh, yeah.
1: I bet it happens. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. I bet it happens so
1: <laughs> <often."> <laughs> Explore your sexuality a bit. Oh, what? It's another woman. I'm not threatened. I'm not, I, I love, love it. I let love me it. tag in there yeah. every now and again. oh. oh. Oh, wait a
2: second. Oh, my God. You guys are in love now? Who could have seen this coming?
3: (laughs) Damn it.
1: (laughs) Oh, Uh. (laughs) I love it.
2: Oh my
1: gosh! What? We haven't mentioned our fucking Patreon oh, one time. Shit! You know why that is? Why? Is this the first episode we've ever had with three ads? I think it is. We we're like, yeah, you guys, we're we were, like, we're, we're big just, time we got now. Ads coming out the ass. Don't look me directly in the eye. <laughs>
3: exactly right. We don't and even have time to promote ads. our own no. Patreon.
1: No. Oh, <laughs> this is a no. I when I saw it today, I Some was momentous like, oh my occasion. gosh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. Well, anyway. Anyway.
2: We're so huge now.
1: How Uh, big are we? uh, We're so big that we also have our own Patreon that we'd love for you guys to subscribe to and
3: support us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) At the $5 level, you get bonus episodes. We got 21 of those bad boys. 21 meaty boys. That's right. And you also get into the Discord to chitty chat the day away. At the $7 level, you get all that plus... Monthly bonus videos. Ooh. ooh. We might be doing something new with yeah, the bonus videos. Yeah, we're
2: we're looking into some other options. Yeah, we
1: haven't even ooh, we haven't even discussed this. This is dangerous. Yeah, this is dangerous um, territory. I was thinking of like a live thing. Were like, you thing! <gasps> Shut up? Okay, yeah. okay. Well, all right. Well that's okay. Maybe we'll do. everybody calm down. That's what we're thinking. That's what we're thinking. Um yeah. What else? The seven, oh, you get a sticker? Uh, Yeah,
2: you get a card welcoming you to the Supreme Court, and you get inducted. Oh, my God. Calm on this down. very calm, podcast. Calm down. Wouldn't it be weird if we got inducted on another podcast? That would be great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what if we got...
2: Okay, guys, we're getting so big that we had to start a whole new
1: podcast just for
2: induction. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> At the $10 level, that's the Bob Moss level, you get all that plus ad-free episodes.
2: You get them a day early, folks. A day early. Plus 10% off merch. Mm. Mm. Ooh! Mm, mm. Ooh!
1: Ooh! Ooh! Ooh. Spicy. That is spicy. Brandy, I think we should take some questions from our Discord. Oh, you do, do you? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Kicked, Corgi. It's interesting you bring that up because I
2: have no recollection of it. Yeah. She says, Brandy, in episode 53, the murder of Nicholas Markowitz and the subsequent manhunt of Jesse James Hollywood, you reference a case that caused Brazil to close a legal loophole that meant men who fathered a child with a Brazilian native could not be extradited. I mean, that does sound familiar because I know that's what Jesse James Hollywood believed happened. uh She said, I said I was going to cover it. And so, I don't know, maybe
1: I will. I forgot all about it. (laughs) Speaking of things that we've forgotten all about, (laughs) someone mentioned... So you know, a couple episodes ago, we had a long discussion of Shonies. Yeah. Shonies, 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 loved it as kids, blah blah blah. Yeah. Someone pointed out, "We've had that exact same conversation in like an, an earlier episode." Doesn't surprise me one bit. It doesn't surprise me one bit either. The people seem surprised though. Yeah. Here's the thing I will say. We talk for a long time in front of these microphones. We do. And we talk for a long time just in general. Yep. And it's really fucking hard to know what we have recorded, what actually made it Absolutely. onto the podcast. And, you know, we just repeat stories sometimes. Some conversation we
2: had on this week's episode, mm-hmm. someone pointed out that we also had on like episode nine.
1: <laughs> what part was that? I can't remember now. See, we're, we're going to have it again now. It's going to happen. Hold on. Let me see what conversation okay. they said. Was the wife swap story. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I talked about Wife Swap twice on this podcast. I talked about Curtis twice on this <laughs> podcast, Kristen. <laughs> like Does that it is make you feel? Me? I mean, it tracks. because yeah. <laughs> Norman and I talk about that little guy a lot. He has no idea the, the impact he has made on my life. <laughs> Root to Include wants to know... I have to know, why do you hate Domino's Pizza so much? Have you had it in recent years? <laughs> oh, no, that is, you have no idea how timely that is. Yes, I'm just including that because it's
2: timely. <laughs> oh, Midwest Trash. I feel you. What is the one thing you wanted but never got as a preteen or teenager, but would spend your own adult money on? Hers is the T Mobile sidekick and so was mine. I <laughs> really wanted that thing so fucking. Kristen, it was like, pa-ching! <laughs> pa I wanted that so bad, but I didn't have T Mobile, so I couldn't get it. I had stupid Sprint. And now Sprint and T Mobile banged and are one. Mm. Two became Two one. Two became one. Now, if the sidekick came back, I could have it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm very sorry, Brandy. Uh, it's a real shame. It just looked like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I don't know what mine would be. You didn't have something that was like super cool that you wished you could have? That's never been my thing. I always feel so lame when some of these the only thing in my life that I feel like I have really coveted and I never got because life is unfair. Barbie Jeep. <laughs> Wanted that Barbie Jeep so bad. Uh, <laughs> you know what else I wanted as a kid? What? And it turned out to be really fucking lame. Do you remember the game Don't Break the Ice? Oh,
2: yeah, that game sucked. It was so much
1: setup. You know why I wanted it? Why? I thought the ice looked like icing. <laughs> You're like, I bet that's delicious. That's what I thought. <laughs> so imagine my disappointment.
2: <laughs> oh. Okay, geriatric sasquatch, if you need to know, I feel like this is good. Oh, oh, what you
1: got, Brandy? Who was your favorite of Rory's boyfriends?
2: Kristen, I know this doesn't mean anything to you. This is a Gilmore Girls question, so uh-huh. you just keep on scrolling over there.
1: The hot white guy.
2: No. Hmm. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Okay, well, they're all hot white guys. <laughs> yes, I knew it. However,
1: <laughs> for a long time. What's up, Brandy? I was Team Logan.
2: This is an unpopular opinion. I didn't. Tell
0: I didn't us, know. Brandy.
2: I didn't know why she turned down his proposal. Okay. Seemed like a missed opportunity to me. They were gonna go live in San Francisco with avocado trees. Okay, sounded great.
1: Uh huh. You don't even like avocado. You're right. I don't. But you liked that idea. Okay. I did. I okay. did. Logan was my favorite for a long time. However,
2: mm-hmm. in a recent rewatch. Hmm. I rewatched the entire series during COVID shutdown last year. <laughs> Had a little time on your hands, did you? And this time I came out of it Team Jess, which of course he's a bad boy. Uh huh. I thought he was a bad influence on uh-huh. Rory in the beginning, mm-hmm. which is why I wasn't a fan. However, uh huh. Turns out. As a, after my more mature rewatch, yeah, yeah, he was the only one who was
1: willing to tell it like <laughs> it is. <laughs> Sometimes the bad boys will do that That's for you. Exactly right. So hashtag cheam Jess. You ever been into a bad boy, Brandy? No, me neither. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
2: David traps exactly the speed limit everywhere.
1: Yeah, Norm does five over, no more.
2: (laughs) Oh. Kristen, I feel like I'm picking all the questions. I'm going to need you to pick some. Oh, okay. You need me to actually do some work (laughs) here. Fudge Dragon wants to know, what is your favorite Easter candy? I have very strong opinions on this. Do you have strong opinions?
1: Oh, gosh. Easter candy. Okay, well, hold on. Hold on. Let me Mm -hmm. think here. Let me think. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. I know this is going to... You're not going to love this, but this is just my truth, okay? Okay. You like it all? No. Oh. No, because I think peeps are disgusting. Wrong! You like peeps? I fucking love peeps. You like nothing on this earth, but you like peeps? Love peeps, and I'll tell you, there's a specific way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me guess. First, you put it in your mouth. No. Nope. Then nope. you let it sit there. <laughs> no. Nope.
2: There is a two-day process that must occur before I can eat a poop. Oh, gross!
1: You've told me this before. I remember mm-hmm. this. This is even grosser than like any normal way. You let them go stale, don't That's you? Exactly right. God, oh, the humanity. <laughs> Dry out those little peat bodies. That's exactly. You suck right. them down. Make some chewy. So good. Make them
3: Yeah, like a
2: chewier consistency. Hmm. Okay,
1: no peeps for you. You
3: are a monster.
1: (laughs) No, I'm a big jelly bean fan. Yeah, I like jelly beans. And I feel like... Do you eat black jelly beans? No. Okay. See, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. A little picky, a little choosy. This is why I loved back in the day... When you could go to, like, Mr. Bulkies or, like, those candy shops and mm-hmm. you just, like, get a shit ton oh, of the yeah. good jelly beans. But now, adult Kristen knows that roaches are just all
3: oh, scattered fuck, yeah. amongst
1: those things. Yeah. And so now, adult Kristen can't have that fun. <laughs> and adult Kristen is too cheap to buy, like, the assorted jelly beans, uh-huh. knowing she's going to throw half of them away. Yeah. So here I sit, broken hearted. <laughs> no, no jelly beans. <laughs> with no jelly beans. Um, okay, so I like... The Cadbury
2: mini eggs. Oh, the big ones are too big for you, no. huh? So I don't like I don't want a cream filled nonsense. That's disgusting. No, it's not. Yes. Okay, old peep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounded like I was calling you an old peep.
1: Excuse me, that's stale peep. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you chewy old peep.
2: <laughs> okay, no. These are just these are just chocolate. It's that like Cadbury chocolate in mm-hmm. a hard candy shell. It's a mini Cadbury egg. There's no fucking cream in there because disgusting. That cream is good.
1: No, wrong. You look like you're about to throw up. Just
3: thinking about that cream.
2: I, <laughs> like, I do not like cream fillings. I could David, David brought home a box of cherry cordials one time, and I was like, oh. <laughs> He's like, do you like these? And I was like, I have never tried them. They look disgusting. They're good. No, Kristen. That's just like, there's just like stuff oozing out of there. Ma'am,
1: did you try them? No. Exactly. Do you like a cream filled donut? Hmm. Really? Mm -mm. Okay. I like it if
2: it's like, I don't like a Bavarian cream. It's got to be the fluffy, like whipped cream.
1: Okay. What? (laughs) Do you know why I think this is? Are you thinking of jizz? What are you
2: thinking? It's close to that. What is it? When I was a small child. Oh, no. What happened to okay. you? When I was a small child, mm-hmm. my grandmother watched me. Mm-hmm. She was a member of the LDS church. Right. Which meant that she went visiting teaching like twice a week.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I would, because she watched me, I would go along with her to these random people's houses. Mm-hmm. And one of those people had a pet rabbit. Okay. And one day, someone was holding that pet rabbit, and this white liquid shot out of its butt. (laughs) And ever since then, whenever I see cream filter, it makes me think of that white liquid that shot out of that rabbit's butt. (laughs) You are the
1: weirdest person. (laughs) Can't eat a Cadbury egg, because one time you saw a bunny shit. But, I don't you know! know. No. Rabbit shit pellets! So what was that? <laughs> Obviously it was the filling to the cream Exactly! <laughs> oh my god.
2: <laughs> I've never told anyone that. I feel like you've
1: told it on the podcast before. Everybody let us know.
2: (laughs) Ooh. Cooter Collision wants to know, is peeing in the shower just a guy thing? And if not, do you do it? Kristen, do you?
1: Do you? Do you pee in the shower? I do, but do I want to admit it on the podcast?
2: You don't have to if you don't want to. Do you? you
1: you? Yeah. Okay, well, if you're admitting it, I will, too. Yeah,
2: I pee in the shower.
1: If I'm already in the shower and I have to pee, why am I going to get out and pee? I agree. I believe I'm saving the planet when I pee in the shower. I agree! And obviously, I pee before I wash my body, so... Well, yeah, you pee and then you, you know, you clean up afterwards. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Is it weird that I was... So forthright about shaving my lady mustache, but then I was like, I, <laughs> I don't know, know if I want to let I don't people know. If know. I if I want to let people know that I pee in the shower. Yeah, I think it's an efficiency thing. All right. I'm a very efficient person. People <laughs> are always saying that to me. Oh, hell no. Wants to know, on my way to the dentist, gas or no gas. Personally a fan. Pretty sure the dentist appreciates when I take it, too. Man. I've never had gas at the dentist. Uh, I've had it... <laughs> That's <laughs> not how I meant it. I've had it twice. Wonderful times. Really? If you're the type of person who doesn't get high, man, get yourself to a dentist. I've, you know, my mom is has always been my dental hygienist, so I've yeah. never been nervous to go
2: to the dentist or anything. I have gotten extensive dental work done, but I've never used gas on me.
1: I've always just had the shot, 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 shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One time... This was like after college. Uh-huh. I'm such a wimp about all medical stuff yeah. that they were going to give me the shots. And I was like, because I had cavities. And I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared. Can you just give me gas? Yeah. And the guy was like, it's not covered by your insurance. I was like, whatever it is, I'll pay <laughs> 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 It was 75 bucks and it was worth well every spent. penny. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the staff looked down on me as some like, you know. Yeah. But I mean... Come on. Hmm. DeVry Law School wants to know what was the most expensive thing you've ever bought in a complete treat yourself mood? I'm sorry. And did you regret it? I was what? looking up the answer
2: to another question. Oh. you repeat
1: the question? I'm sorry. You were on my butt <laughs> to actually ask a question. Okay. DeVry Law School, ma'am, are you paying attention? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. This is like when I was trying to tell Norm some stuff. and I was like, if you want me to just stop talking, I will. Okay. And boy, that really set him straight. I'm ready. DeVry Law School wants to know what was the most expensive thing you've ever bought in a complete treat yourself mood, and did you regret it?
3: Hmm.
1: I, okay, what you got?
2: I had a moment one day where I like, and this has been years ago, mm-hmm. but I like got off work early mm-hmm. and I was like, God, it would be great right now. A facial and a pedicure. Uh-huh. And so, like, I literally made an appointment for, like, 10 minutes later, and I went and got, like, a microdermabrasion. <laughs> you got and...
1: microdermabrasion? Yes! What did it
2: feel like? Oh, it felt amazing. I felt it like like thought little... it would hurt. No, it's just a little vacuum on your face. It doesn't hurt at all. Really? It was amazing. Then I got a pedi. Petty... Oh, it was delightful. It was a pretty expensive after i
3: <laughs> just,
2: like, on the spur of the moment. But I felt great afterwards. If I would have had time, I would have got a
1: massage, too. Okay. Very similar story. <laughs> Very similar story. Years ago, like more than 10, no, about yeah. 10 years ago, things had been crazy stressful at work. I'd been working like crazy. And I got the afternoon off mm-hmm. and I drove up to Virginia Beach. Uh-huh. And I got myself a massage, <laughs> and I shopped in a mall, which yeah. doesn't sound like a big deal, but I was living in Elizabeth City, North Carolina at yep. the time. We didn't even have a TJ Maxx in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, it was amazing. Another time, okay, oh my gosh. I've said before, first thing I'm doing, once it's safe, I'm going to get all the spa treatments. Oh, fuck. Imaginable. Let's go do a total spotting. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, please. That is all I want. Let's film it for a bonus video. Yeah,
2: and we'd and be like, this is for work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you guys, that's why you should sign up for our
2: Patreon. Yeah, so we can
3: go possible. have a spotting. <laughs>
1: but okay. I need a my and
2: like, so man. <laughs> and I've never even had one. <laughs>
1: No, so, okay, I think I told you this, but there was like, well, still there, this salon slash spa right by my old house. I loved that place. And they had this crazy fucking deal for a really long time. It was half off facials on the last Friday of every month. So I was going like every, yeah, I was getting monthly facials because it was crazy. Mm -hmm. It was like no money. And, you know, you just tip as if you've paid full price. In theory, everyone's happy. Yeah. Well, I think the owner was on to me or something and was like, mm, no. So I'm there. And I'm already feeling... Did they change the policy because of you? They did. Well, they did change the policy. I wondered if it was because of me. Because <laughs> at one point, um, the lady who was doing my facial was like, um, you know, so we've got this cool program where if you sign up for six facials in advance, you get 20% off. And I was like, oh, cool. Cool. And I didn't say anything, but I was like, you know, I'm getting fifty percent right. off. Why would right I now. Why would I <laughs> No, so then she starts like she starts working on my arms, she starts working on my legs, doing all this extra. And I'm like, oh my god, bonus. Oh my god. Well, turns out she was giving me like the jacked up <laughs> amazing thing. and so like when the bill came, I was like, all right, shame on me, because I should have right, said something. Yeah. But it was amazing. But holy shit, that was expensive. I bet it was. But I'd do it again. Yeah. It it was like the most amazing. I've thing. never gone and like spent like the whole day. No.
2: Oh, I want to do that so, so, good. so bad. Where they give me like <laughs> the little salad for lunch uh-huh. and like a fruit cup and you pay twenty seven dollars for it. Okay, okay, I've
1: got to tell you something. <laughs> so years ago. My family went on a little trip to Minnesota, and my mom and Kyla and I were gonna do like a little girls thing. So we were gonna go to this little spa in Mm -hmm. town. And so we were all excited because we'd never done anything like that. You know, it was like it was gonna be a half day spa thing. And we were all getting a massage, and then we were gonna get the lunch thing and the pedicures. (laughs) (laughs) So my mom, this is probably, probably had to be there. But anyway, so. The restaurant next door would do their lunches for them. So my mom ordered some like salad that had like sausage on it or something. And you know, you're picturing like they're going to cut up the sausage. (laughs) She just
2: got like a schlong on top (laughs) of the salad. We're sitting there getting our pedicures, and my mom's got
1: this sausage schlong on a bed of lettuce. And she opened it up and she was like, Well, I guess it's technically what I ordered. It's just not at all. It was
3: hilarious.
1: Oh, um, <laughs> can't get mad. The menu description was accurate.
2: Bronze Heart would like to know mm-hmm. you have to listen to one song on repeat for the next 24 hours. Don't embarrass me, Brittany. What Brandy. is it? I've got a hot new song that oh, I'm boy. obsessed with that I would have to listen to it for 24 hours. The song is Kilby Girl. KILBY mm-hmm. by the backseat lovers and it's so fucking good. We hear it on satellite radio all the time cuz I you know, I just got like yeah. a, a new to me car and yeah. so like I have like a satellite radio trial and like David and I will just sit wherever we are if it comes on David and I just sit in the car and let the song finish. Like I have Apple Music. I can listen to the fucking song sure. whenever I want, but, but
1: when it's on there's something I'm about just, it. Yes.
3: <laughs>
1: oh gosh. I think it'd be levitating. What's levitating? Oh, oh, yeah. I hear the song
2: all day, every day. <laughs> oh, already, So you're already... I already with- hear that song on repeat. <laughs> yeah, because we, at the salon, we just kind of put on, like, you yeah. know, like, current radio. Like, basic bitch
1: stuff. Is that what you're trying to say?
2: <gasps> uh, yeah, I feel like you're...
1: I mean, I do like that song. Uh-huh. And who doesn't, like, do a leap in the baby? I know. <laughs> I know. I, well, I like the one with Madonna on there, uh-huh. too. Oh, uh-huh. uh-huh. yeah.
2: Very good. I'm impressed by you, Kristen. Don't be condescending. That is a current song. (laughs) I know.
1: I don't know how I stumbled across it. I've been listening to a lot of Dolly Parton lately. And man, um, she's great. She sure is. Everybody loves Dolly. (laughs) S. Bruns wants to know, do you ever Google new recipes? What's the best and worst you've found? The worst for me is that time that that... You made the fettuccine with the Greek yogurt? Yeah. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. That skinny white bitch online lied to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to have Alfredo sauce with half the calories, get yourself some Greek yogurt. That was nasty. And no one felt sorry for me. No. At least of all you. Uh, yeah. You were like, yeah, that's what you did. Yeah, you put fucking Greek yogurt in there. <laughs> yeah, it tasted every bit like Greek yogurt. And the texture oh my god the texture it was grainy yeah Mm -hmm. that sounds terrible Mm -hmm. i was also years ago burned by a pinterest recipe you got to look out for pinterest because those pictures look good yes doesn't mean it tastes good i made an egg i mean again i'm going to say this out loud and everyone's going to say you have no one to blame but yourself because this was disgusting it had eggplant and goat cheese and some herbs i it was terrible it was terrible yeah i know i know
2: See, here's my thing is that mm-hmm. I'm not adventurous at all, so most of my recipes. Never been burned, yeah, have you?
3: Exactly. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well. <laughs> hmm. Maybe we should look at this one. Go Fist Yourself wants to know My brother will be starting his trial soon. I'm struggling a lot and even had to up my dose for depression medication. I wanted to thank you both for teaching me a general understanding of my court proceedings. Uh
2: oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Any advice to get through this? Self care and so on. Man. Ooh. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I'm really sorry that you're dealing with that. Um I gosh. Self care tips. <laughs> well, okay, so you're you're on to my first one. I mean, like I talked about how I got medication like a month and a half ago. Well, yeah. it's a little longer than that now. And it has made such a positive difference for me. So Good for you on upping your dose. Like, I think that's really, really good. Um,
2: Yeah. And I think that if you have an activity that, like, you find really rewarding or, like, that you get a lot of joy from, allow yourself to experience that. Like, Mm -hmm. if it's a show you like, yeah, take some time and really enjoy that. If it's, you know, music you like listening to, I think think those things – I think we underestimate how important those things are for us. Yeah.
1: You know what I have underestimated? Hmm. I've underestimated just the power of, because I think so much So much of my life has been like not listening to myself. Yeah. And in a way that can seem good because it's like, well, no, I don't listen to myself and therefore I worked extra hard on this one thing or I got yeah. this accomplished or whatever. But that's also a great way to drive yourself nuts. Absolutely. And so as you know. I've been spending a lot of evenings in my basement doing exactly what I love watching Ink Masters with Norman and I, Dottie. I think that's <laughs> extremely important. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I wouldn't have said that yeah. a year ago, six months ago, three months ago, but like yeah. medication has helped me slow down mm-hmm. and calm down a bit. Yeah. Enough to really understand kind of what matters. Yeah. Yeah. Not that Ink Masters matters, but you know no, what I it,
2: mean. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that's something that I really um, I really looked at after I had London, too, was mm-hmm. like, okay, I feel like I'm, like, pulled in all of these different directions. Yeah. Like, I'm very – my time is very committed in lots of places. And so, like, I made a point to, like, have – like, to schedule out, like, my time that I can commit to being home with David and London In the evenings, and I've done a pretty good job of Mm -hmm. like sticking to that. I've, I just told you today I I was beating myself (laughs) up because I have I have pushed myself beyond that uh, on a couple of occasions here that I need to like rein back in. But yeah, I think listening to yourself is is huge, and like, yeah, letting letting yourself just be sometimes. I know
1: you Mm. and I are not good bees. We are not. We're big bees, but not good at bees. Yes. I remember in college, I had to, oh, God, for a class, I had to read a a book about, this is, man, this says everything about my attitude, had to read a book about mindfulness Uh and meditation. Talk about something I needed to read, and I know I need to read, and I know I need to try, but I was like, oh, Okay, so you want me to wash a cup and just be thinking about washing the cup <laughs> at all? T- no, no. Thanks. The other day I tried to do yoga. Not good. I'm, I'm too wound up. Yeah. for certain stuff. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I know it would be good for me. Yeah. But I put on this video, and I was like, and it was. Beginner yoga. Uh I'm like, okay, I am a beginner at yoga.
2: I am here for this. And it was just
3: like
1: so (laughs) slow. And I was like, well, I'm too advanced for this. (laughs) So I turned that off and put on, you know, something else. And then I embarrassed myself because (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do it. So then I turned the whole thing off (laughs) and relaxation was canceled. (laughs) Does this answer your question, (laughs) No, but I hope I hope things. Go I ho- yeah, as well I hope as things go well, rudder. and yeah.
2: absolutely, and take care of yourself. Yeah. Well, this is just bragging. There's not even a question here. What is it? Rola Rolo says, "I just got back from Las Vegas, and I did the tour of Zach Bagans? 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 haunted museum <laughs> I got stuck haunted there <laughs> Ha-ha. 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 haunted museum and I got to see Charles Manson's bone fragments his flip flops his shirt Ew. and I totally thought of you the whole time Brandy yeah I'm glad you thought about me I'm very jealous I want to see Charles Manson's bone fragments oh, and his flip flops Mm-mm. okay I don't get it there is this bus tour I don't know that it still exists, but years ago when I went to Los Angeles, Uh I got a flyer for a bus tour that only happens like on the first Sunday of the fucking month. Uh huh. It's a helter skelter bus tour. Oh my god! It's my life's goal to get there and do that bus tour. (laughs) I want to (laughs) go on it so bad.
1: Oh my god. You wouldn't go on the oh, killer tour I'd, I'd with go me? I'd go with you. I think I get a little weirded out about some of these serial killers like the Oh, Ted Bundy was so handsome. Oh, I don't think he's so handsome charming. At all. Cher- no. Yeah. Charles Manson's so fascinating. Don't re- you think he's fascinating. I know you do. I know you do. Hey, you know what? I have wild hair. I say nutty things. You're going to follow <laughs> me somewhere. <laughs> Hop in my I followed body. you into this fucking
3: podcast, <laughs>
1: Kristen. <laughs> this is our cult. <laughs> the race war is coming. Mm-hmm. Well, should we wrap up and... Wrap it up. Wrap
2: it up. <laughs> yeah, let's do some Supreme Court Inductions. Mm, mm, mm. Of course, not at all. I came right to it. Oh, excuse me. Like a boss. I came right to it. This week, we are continuing to read your names and
1: favorite cookies. cookies! <laughs> you guys, we had hand choreography for that, <laughs> and y'all missed it. <laughs> Katie Cardoza, homemade chocolate chip. Macy Rupel. Reese's Peanut Butter Chip. Reese's Peanut Butter Chip. What? Is that like you get the peanut butter and you get chocolate? Do you chip? think it's a chocolate cookie with peanut butter chips in it? There's no such thing as a peanut butter chip. Yeah, there is. Like Reese's. They're made Reese's?
2: by Reese's. No, it is a peanut butter chip. It looks like a chocolate chip. Uh huh. But it's peanut butter. Uh huh. It's it's exactly as it sounds, and it's made by Reese's. You're describing Reese's Pieces. No, Reese's Pieces have a candy shell on them. I head. know they do. This has no candy shell. It looks like Kristen. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> get Reese's Pieces out of your
3: mind. I can't.
1: <laughs> it looks exactly like a chocolate chip. Okay. Only it's peanut butter. So. Okay. You know what? That that honestly, I couldn't get. I couldn't get the Reese's Pieces out of my head. I'm with you now, Macy. Let us know. <laughs> Joanna Baca. Frosted sugar cookie. Jenna Morrison. Smarties cookie. She wants you to know UK Smarties, not US ones. Yeah, that would be disgusting. disgusting. (laughs) April Washington. Oatmeal cranberry raisin. Emily Whiteley. Chocolate chip. (laughs) (laughs) Madison Snotherly.
2: Sugar cookie. Kendall Morrow. Frosted sugar cookies. Elizabeth Anderson. Raw sugar cookie dough. What? Yes! What
3: the hell is wrong? I with love
2: you? cookie dough, but that's like the most boring cookie dough there is. Oh, oh, you don't want raw
1: sugar <laughs> cookie dough. <laughs> it's just like gritty. No, it's, yeah, gritty like sugar. <laughs> Delicious sugar. You know me, my texture. I know you. <laughs> hey, what if they? What if she like set it out and it went bad and stale? Then would you like it?
2: <laughs> no, Laura guessed. Oreos Marcella Lunn
1: Iced sugar cookies Brooke Emery Gooey butter cookies Michelle Gutierrez Sugar cookie dough Again Not Damn. baked, what? Yeah, it's good Nope. I'm sorry, Brooke You can't have that as your favorite <laughs> That's not Brooke's oh, wait, favorite That's, not Brooke. that's, that's Michelle. Michelle's favorite Sorry, Michelle and Brooke Okay, Ashley Britton Chocolate peanut butter <laughs> Stephanie Perez Chocolate chip Casey, white chocolate macadamia. Emily C.
2: <gasps> ooh! Ooh! ooh, ooh. It, about to be Emily B. She's getting married this weekend. Oh my God! If it you girl... will be married by the time this comes out. Okay, back that up. Ooh, throw it in reverse.
1: <laughs> Emily B. <Woohoo. laughs> Triple chocolate chunk cookie from Jimmy John's. Allie. gluten free Oreos. Is that a thing? I didn't know that was a okay. thing. Okay. Lisa Bon Cristiano. White Chocolate Macadamia. Lisa C. Peanut Butter Chocolate Chop. Tracy Lee. Oh no. Oreos, but with all the white scraped out first. And no, I don't eat the white. It gets trashed. No, Tracy. (laughs) Tracy.
3: (laughs) Tracy, how could you? You can't allow! (laughs) (laughs) Tracy, where do you
1: live? (laughs) I will stop you. (laughs) Brook of Lynn. Chocolate cookies with white chocolate chips. Welcome to the Supreme Court! Thank you guys
2: for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit patreon please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and then head on over to apple podcasts leave us a
1: five star rating and review Ooh, look at the balls on you The balls are huge Kristen. congratulations can barely sit in this you're gonna get one of those um things to go on the back of your car <laughs>
2: yeah <the> truck nuts <laughs> i don't why do they do that i don't know i don't get I it i think it's because they're they got teeny peenies.
1: Right, but you have you ever seen a woman with like a clitoris hanging from her car? <laughs> like, that would be so weird. But there are so many men who get these truck nuts. I don't understand. I don't think they're fresh.
2: <laughs> 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 I'm just willing to bet that we're not the target demographic.
1: <laughs> Brandy, let's start a business.
2: <laughs> truck
1: clits. Truck clits. <gasps> yeah no, I it looks like all. we got a bunch of Patrick the Starfishes. that's <laughs> fine that'll be the prototype <laughs> <laughs> we'll get sued because obviously the business will be a huge success <laughs> anyway be sure to join us next week! When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast. podcast what if we quit the podcast because <laughs> trucklet took off? off. Zoom. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from an episode of Vengeance, Killer Coworkers, Killing Spree, Murderpedia, Newspapers.com, and CourtListener.com. I got my info from an episode of
2: Fatal Vows, an article for The Mirror, Murderpedia, Wikipedia, and the court record
1: for a full list of our sources visit lgtcpodcast.com any errors are of course ours but please don't take our word for it go read their stuff